Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. I'm a fan of classic movies. Hello and welcome to Overlapping Dialogue, a podcast of audio commentaries dedicated to discussing cinema that fascinates us in a way we hope fascinates you. We're your co-hosts, Kyle and Levi Huffman. I'm Kyle. And I'm Levi. And here we are back for our 40th episode. 40th episode. This year's already almost coming to a close. Mm-hmm. We've still got a few more before the year's out, but we're already hitting 40. That's a that's yeah. a landmark in its own way. Well, and I guess it's kind of weird for us that it's it'll be a year in January and February that we've been doing this. So, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, we have, we've taken a break here or there, but for the most part, we've yeah. been doing an episode a week. And this week's episode, to follow up last week's episode on Jackie, another, you know, single-named uh, film about one of the main characters of the movie, titular characters, the titular roles, if you will, mm-hmm. as Lady Bird made famous, Carol from 2015, yep. directed by Todd Haynes, starring Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Um, and so, this is our first Todd Haynes movie yeah. we're doing. We're both big fans of Todd Haynes. There's still a few of his stuff that I haven't seen that you have. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us have yet to see his Mildred Pierce. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen all of his together. stuff except for um, that documentary he made about Stephen Sondheim, mm-hmm. um, Mildred Pierce, and Velvet Underground. His newest that documentary. Thing. But yeah. Yeah, I've seen What's that about that again? Uh, I think it's Lou about. Reed, that guy? I think it's about like this, like uh, you know, the Velvet Revolution. Oh, okay. Or something? I don't know. Velvet Goldmine? I don't know. But, before... Why is Velvet Goldmine called Velvet Goldmine, by the way? Oh, I think that's like the name of a Bowie song, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Anyway, we figured it out. Well, look at that. Didn't even Google it. But do that maybe just to make sure. Yeah, I will. And while you're doing that, we gotta, we just gotta dive into that Blue Plate special. Audrey, Norma, have a cup of coffee, please. Sure. I'll have what she's having. All right, who are you, large pepperoni? Open it up! Order up. And the order is indeed Yeah, that is a that is a Bowie song. There you go. That whole movie kind of is like, hasn't he kind of dodged over the years to the the extent to which it's about, quote, just Bowie well, and about the and, glam rock scene in general? Well, like, I think that it is, 
but it's about a lot of other things. It's not as tied to Bowie as I'm Not There is to Isn't Ewan McGregor's character kind of a veiled Lou Reed? Uh, no, it's uh, Not Iggy Lou Pop. Reed. Iggy Pop's yeah. who I meant. Yeah. yeah. Stand mm-hmm. in. Yeah. But. Well, they literally play Stooges songs yeah. when he. So, yeah. Right. But, yeah. Anyway, Speaking of we're Stooges. Not, we're not there yet. The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, November 26th. So, it's, you know, Black Friday. Black and Blue Friday in the past. Uh, we week. talked about this last week yeah, that we don't participate really in that. that. I think it's kind of useless now because everything it's just become Cyber Monday anyway. Yeah. So it used to be, like we said, Cyber Monday was like, oh, buy everything online. And now it's just, no, just... Well, you know, they, you know even for in-store retailers, like they've just been doing deals before. And they've been calling it Black Friday for like a month and just like, oh, Black Friday. It's like, whatever. Uh, I'm not that nostalgic. For it's like you the know, holiday. It's like it was that. you know, so, layaway used to be oh, a bigger yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they brought that back a few years ago in certain places. But anytime I think of layaway, I think of uh, Jingle All the Way. Which hint hint. Um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but that scene <laughs> in that do. where he's like, uh, "Some lady bought it on layaway." Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> I always think of that. But anyway. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of a. I mean, it really is. It's it's hilarious. It's like, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich for what he's given, Jesus Christ, his son. Give thanks. Anyway, um, so it's interesting that Thanksgiving, we get, do we want to sing, sing a hymn every week? I yeah, think. maybe, yeah. But anyway, that uh, Thanksgiving happens, and it's like, oh, let's give thanks. Let's guys. watch the Cowboys lose. Let's, well, before we get there, though, yeah. it's like... Uh, you know, oh, let's all let's all gather around the table, and then at at midnight or even before now, let's rip each other's hearts out to get a TV. Yeah, I mean, it, you know? and for many years, it served as uh, almost literally the crown jewel of America's hypocrisy. Is those yeah. two things following up one yeah. another? Is just, and even uh, that that would of course presage Christmas is that to prepare for Christmas, we have to murder each other, and then oh, and then. It's like we've talked about the hypocrisy of of the whole idea. People talk about it all the time. It's like, you know, during World War One, they had that Christmas Day where they came together and they exchanged presents. And, not, and then they just went back to killing each other the next day. It means nothing. Yeah. But anyway. Anyways, another thing that means nothing, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know what's funny about them is it's like, you know, all these years, uh, like, how many times they've won on Thanksgiving or how many times they've lost on Thanksgiving? It's like, well, if they play every year, it kind of becomes useless about it how many. out over yeah. the years, yeah. Um, we're we're anyway. big football fans. We're not in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form Dallas Cowboy fans. Yeah, it's interesting that this year it's like my favorite team and my least favorite team. Matched wits. Played each other, you know. In Arlington. Of the Las Vegas Texas. Raiders. Um. Yeah, so um, Levi and our dad are huge, huge, huge Raiders fans. Mm -hmm. I am a, I would say, a above average casual Raiders fan. My my Carolina Panthers are ultimately my number one team, but always love and And I'd say it's the same for me with Carolina. That I, I, you know, I'm a fan of them, but I'm a Raiders fan more than anything. But 
And it, it has been a strange two years. They're the Las Vegas Raiders. I just now casually still call them the Oakland Raiders yeah. a lot. Well, I saw an interview year, yesterday. Wasn't it this year the first year? Or was it no, last actually year? last year they were playing in that empty remember. stadium that they had built. Yeah, uh, so I guess that's why I kind of forgot that. Yeah, uh, so I don't even. Know. Even I saw Jerry Jones complaining after the game, talking about all the penalties, which we can talk about here in a little bit. But uh, he was even calling them Oakland Raiders like casually in the conversation. If you've been around him yeah. as long as been around as long as he has, of course you'd have even more trouble. Somebody still probably call him the Los Angeles Raiders somewhere. I don't know. But. Yeah. Um, but our dad, he's he's a Raider fan going back to the 60s and 70s. Uh, yeah. Kind of that original, you know, uh, obviously Al Davis controlled the team for the vast majority of its mm-hmm. history. Um, and so we've been kind of raised by him. We're, you're a bigger Raider fan than yeah. I, but still love the Raiders. And, again, we hate the Cowboys. Yeah. And it should be said that, you know, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. That represents like another <laughs> garbage aspect of America. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Or of American life, as right. Norman Mailer would call it. Uh, yeah. That, you know, here in western North Carolina, it is mostly Panthers fans around here, it should yeah. be said. But the Panthers have only been here for, like, 25 years around about. And before that, you had um, – uh, you, around this what? area, you yeah, either were Dallas Cowboy fans or Washington football team. You know the old name. Yeah. Uh, or a little bit of Atlanta, Atlanta. Falcons fans. Frankly, I, I would suspect there would be more Falcons fans around here than there are. I don't know if the yeah. Panthers fans are around I know, or what, I know a like, few. Yeah. Um, I actually have a student or two that's a Falcons fan. Um, and a decent amount of Green Bay fans, but they're a yeah. national fan base. Yeah. Was, like Dallas um, in their own way. I've randomly met quite a few Eagles fans yeah. around. And now there's a lot of Chiefs fans out there, I guess, because yeah. they're doing well. Well, that's but, the bandwagon of any team. Right. New England, they had that too, I yeah. mean, for a lot of years yeah. around here. But anyway, so it is. this is a mostly Panthers area, but... Tennessee, some people. Yeah, you know, and I, I'll respect that yeah. more than the other ones, frankly. I kind of so like Washington. They used to be the Houston now. Oilers yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. So that's Going kind of a weird... Years. Yeah. So um, still probably people in Houston that randomly like the Titans more than uh, the Texans because the Texans is the newest team, too, I think. Yes, yes. So, uh, like, yeah. it's kind of weird that they would probably like it. So a lot of people might even, yeah, still there like the Titans more than the Just to Oilers. say, I mean, and also or Dallas has Texans. a huge national fan base. This yeah. is, but here in North Carolina, there are a lot of Cowboys fans. Uh, There's even people that we're good friends with that are Cowboys fans and people that we, we love know. them despite yeah. that. Yeah. Our pastor is a Cowboys yeah, fan. he is. Bless him. Yeah. But, you know. But we just hate Dallas. We just, yeah. What about Dallas do you hate, other than just being Everything a, about I mean, to, uh, first of all, I hate that they represent the idea of the Cowboys. But as it's a, like, as a uh, American yes, mo- but, mythological I guess, but they force. don't even, like, represent it. They've got, like, a star, and that's it. Mm-hmm. They do have the you little I mean? Cowboy mascot. Yeah, but that's around. it. Like, there's no, like... Uh, I don't know. They just don't. They aren't representative enough of their, of what they're. Yeah. You know that star is just so iconic. I yeah. Guess. Well, and it's that just, represents yeah. Texas. Yeah. And it's where the Texans have like a, I guess, a cattle, uh, some sort of cattle or cow as their like mascot. Mm-hmm. The Texas but, Longhorns, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying the, Texas, the Texans, yeah. Houston Texans. Oh yeah, Houston Texans. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. but like, and yeah, sure, but. I don't know. They just don't really. They're not very representative of their like mascot mm-hmm. and their name. That's. I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. But um, it's just this like 
Entitlement. Entitlement and this self-assuredness and total confidence always about, like, it's like I have, and I mean, it's going to be an interesting day on Monday when I get back to school, and there are a couple, there are, I actually have quite a few Dallas fans as students, and they like to go back and forth with me, and I have this clear disinterest because I'm just like, I, this means nothing to me what you think about, and they like to try to make fun of me because I'm a Raiders fan, and I'm just like, I don't, I've lost, they've lost my whole life. It doesn't mean anything to me for you to make fun of me. Like, I've yeah, it should be said that, that uh, the last time, like, well, the Raiders have had some decent teams actually in the last five years, but before that, they were miserable the Pirate ever Bowl since they, been in. they lost yeah. the uh, Super Bowl to Tampa Bay uh, in the it's early John 2000s. Gruden, enemy of the state, mm-hmm. um, was their coach then. I never liked John Gruden the whole time he was, ever, Really, especially the whole time he was a coach, I'm totally. I am ecstatic that he's gone. Yeah. Um, I don't care how badly we do if it. Well, if we've it's been between, doing all right, right? Mean. But yeah, and we've been doing fine enough without him here. I mean, yeah, we've lost some games, but whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to play like, you know, poor me and elitist. Oh, I'm superior than, but like, I don't know. There's a lot of these people that I meet that they're like. There's literally a student that I had the other day that pretty much admitted to being a bandwagon fan of teams because he was like, I don't know, I like Dallas, the Bills, the Chiefs, uh, Arizona, uh, you know, named all the teams. And I was like, so you just are pulling for the teams that are good. He's like, yeah. He's like, he had no shame. You know, Green Bay was another one named. Yeah. Uh, and and he pretty much admitted to that. And I'm just like, and they and like I said, these and believe me, I could care less what like 12 and 13-year-olds there's a lot of adults that way too, that, right? That don't that. Well, I'm saying I don't care how they think about what I pull for. Like that means nothing to mm-hmm. me. Um, but I'm just kind of shrug and say I don't know. I've been fans of this team my whole life. I'm going to continue to be that no matter what happens to them. I don't really care. Yeah, you know. And it's kind of it's actually kind of nice to grow up that way where they lose and lose and lose where you it doesn't affect you as much. This game last night, however, I was so into that if they lost, I really would have been actually pretty mad. But they yeah, it was a big game for both teams yeah. because from Dallas, I'm, uh, we're, this is just going to be some football talk for a yeah. while. And we don't get to do this much on the podcast, so yeah. I thought, you know, why not talk about it now? Um, I mean, Dallas, they're now 7-4 and four after having lost last night. Spoiler alert. Uh, they're still like, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to win their division. I mean... It's really that loss to them was all about the seeding of where they're going to fall. Yeah. If they would have won, that would have helped them out a lot. Um, meanwhile, from Raiders' perspective, they're struggling to keep their head above water. Now the fact that there are three uh, wild card teams helps them out in terms of having a better shot to yeah. get in anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but They'll probably be from that division. Yeah, because the Chargers are pretty good too. And then, yeah, so... There's a lot. There's a lot on the line for both of the teams. Plus, even if it's even if you're not having a great season, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. In that, I mean that that, that just inherently raises the stakes just because of everybody's what it is. watching you. Because Detroit Lions already yeah. lost that day. We should say to the uh, Bears. So uh, what an awful game that probably was to watch. <laughs> I didn't even watch it because we were playing a board game. I saw game, that. Um, but apparently, there were more penalty yards thrown in that game than the Lions' offense had all day. Like. Uh, <laughs> In the Dallas they're game, they're so terrible. Yeah. They're like what zero and something and one. Yeah, they tied a game. Zero yeah. and the, seven the Steelers, and one. Steelers, eight and one. Yeah, yeah. The uh, oh yeah, there's a lot of Steelers fans around here too. I forgot about that. Yeah, gosh, I know people that. That's the thing is like two of my best friends from around here are 
a Cowboys fan and a Steelers fan. Mm-hmm. And I just never understood that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, but whatever. Um, one of them is a little bit more identified with that type of fan than the other, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. Oh, and then a, my one of my best friends from college, he's a Steelers fan too. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when, so I remember when that, that person in particular, when uh, Antonio Brown, who's a dumpster fire of a human being, totally yeah. hate him, when he uh, got traded from the Steelers to the Raiders very briefly, uh, he uh, told me, he was like, yeah, you have him now, you deal with him or whatever. Yeah. Now he's at a team we can both totally hate at the Buccaneers and has won a Super Bowl, shamefully. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, one of my favorite things about that whole brief tenure, uh, my only favorite thing about his brief tenure at the Raiders, um, was that phone call video, you know, phone oh call God. recording. <laughs> Let's drop some yeah, of that in that here. John Gruden and, between John Gruden and uh, Antonio One Brown. for the ages. Here it is. Iggy. Yep. Antonio, coach is on the line. Hey, hey coach. Hello. Yo, what's up, coach? What the hell's going on, man? Just a villain all over the news, man. Is Antonio all right? He didn't behave like this before he started getting this money. Like, there's something wrong with AB. Antonio Brown has been an absolute embarrassment. Trying to be a Raider since day one. I've been fucking working my ass so hard anyway. I don't know why it's a question of me being a Raider. Like, do you guys want me to be a Raider? Please stop this shit. Just play football. How hard is it that you're a great football player? Just play football. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm more than a football player, man. I'm a real person. It ain't about the football. I know how to do that. I'll show you guys down in Delhi. This is my life. Ain't no more games. What the hell's going on, man? <laughs> That's what I could have asked about John Gruden's whole existence, but I love how like and he edited all that together and put it out on his own YouTube, Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, there's so many things to say with this. I mean, you know, the fact that I'm being having to take Gruden's side in anything is yeah. just frankly shameful because he's an idiot dumpster fire, like you said. Antonio Brown's just a you know a serial narcissist, only cares yeah. about himself. Like has paid yet to pay any consequences. And for there's his like actions, the video, you which didn't is a problem it, with but... a lot of NFL stars oh, in the yeah. league in general. Same thing happened with uh, Ray Rice. And... He did actually face uh, yeah consequences. Never enough and, though. You know, no, you know. No. And then like I don't think this was as much of anything as other things, but there was the whole uh, uh oh gosh, his name just left me. Peterson used to run for the Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson that I was not say Antonio Peterson for some mm-hmm. reason. I was still thinking Antonio Brown. Uh Adrian Peterson had like had that whole thing about like hitting his kid with a switch yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. 
He got even like, the, out of the league for like a year. Yeah, I and like a, and uh, a few games anyway. Just different. Th- and I mean, like what you know, OJ Simpson is represented to is is in a whole other realm of just like yeah, you can kind of get away with anything if you're a football player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's retired, obviously. Right, but I mean, it's still the same. You know, yeah. I mean, like and uh, and of course there have been instances where that hasn't you know worked out. Uh, what's that guy's name that was with New England? That Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. That whole thing, of course, yeah. uh, was different. But for the most part, yeah, if you're a football player, you can kind of get away with whatever you want. The fact that the uh, Sean Watson is still signed by anyone is just a disgusting act. Yeah, he's got the dozens league. of sexual assault um, allegations against him. So I yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyway, that make like um, no? Let's just stop on this yeah, for go a ahead. second. Like, does any of this like make you feel weird or icky as a football fan to watch a sport that has produced so much controversy in recent years? I mean, also there's all the stuff associated with health and concussions that have been more in the news. I was going to say that's more years. what I worry about. Yeah, uh, because I mean, these same things happen not as much, but the same things happen in other sports too. I mean, basketball, basketball, baseball. and yeah. So I mean, the whole thing about basketball, this doesn't have anything to do with any of that. But what's so shameful about those players is that they will just like go to teams just so they can win. There's no salary cap. Yeah, they are the most entitled players in any sport, and but and they get paid the most money. The NFL and, is very slowly starting to resemble that though, too, yeah, in terms of the what's been true. going on with the Rams this year. A team that I casually root for, depending on yeah. who they play. They've got they've loaded up a lot of players this season, as well as the Bucks. A lot of so. You can tell they're looking at the NBA and wanting to get more agency with where they go yeah. and trying that out, you know. Yeah. Because the whole notion of team sports is, and I'm not, you know, uh, athletics to me is a second or third tier or fourth tier concern overall in yeah. my philosophy. But the whole notion of team and teamwork is going more and more by the wayside in professional sports. Um You know, you've seen it also with college sports even as well, one and done as far as in the – college basketball yeah anyways the Raiders and the Cowboys played last night you want to take you want to talk about some steps we took to uh we didn't even know but unwittingly reverse jinx the uh Raiders victory last night yeah so I'm gonna drop the audio of this here in a little bit too yeah but so I had an idea Mm -hmm. the other day I was just sitting we've been inundated and and just overwhelmed by a lot of JFK talk recently of the assassination all mm-hmm. things jfk because we've done two well, obviously did an episode on it yeah so i was just sitting thinking you know i was thinking about how the game is on thursday you know mm-hmm. i was mad because i forgot until sunday night that they were even playing yeah. the cowboys and i knew i like everyone else wrote it off that they were going to lose um, Which a lot of people been doing, but a lot of games this season. And yeah, a lot more of than been... any other NFL season I can think of. Uh, there, this really has been an upset season. I think of a yeah. lot of games that should have went one way and totally didn't. Um, that is not at all the case with college football, which more and more is becoming a total annoyance and evil enterprise to me. But we'll talk about that some other time. Um, where there, it's just like, oh yeah, people just get blown out. There's no there are uh, upsets. But sometimes or yeah. some competitive games, but very rarely, it's just like, oh, just totally blown out. Nothing matters. Who cares? Just really stupid. Anyway, so, uh, so I was just sitting thinking. And I was like, you know, uh, I started thinking of 
the beginning of the opening credits of JFK and you know and that and the lady being thrown out out of the car and being like Dallas they're going to Dallas yeah. Friday and yeah. I was thinking of you know they're going to Dallas Thursday yeah they're gonna kill Derek Carr yeah. or whatever so then I thought wait a minute maybe we could like maybe I could like edit all that into a video which of course I don't know how to do so you had to help me with that mm-hmm. but um I think it is our greatest work. Yeah, and, and again, I, I'm and, gonna drop the audio yeah. for this here. Thursday. Just win, baby. They're gonna kill. Derek Carr. NFC playoff contenders. She's high as a kite on something. It's been that way since they brought her in. Miss me? Now, you couldn't see the images there. I recommend you go to my Twitter or Instagram to find it. Elhuff98. Um, yeah. But, um, and then Twitter handle, at yabadabadoom. Yeah, because I'm actually private on Instagram anyway, so if you don't follow me, you won't see it. But yeah. usually if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of people already are. Miss me. Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had to With include the, dump, the, very the dumpster fire that yeah. is Kevin Spacey and but, Jason Garrett. And of course, you heard yes. And of course, you heard my voice in there. Uh, that and what we loved about Thursday. that was that Thursday, Derek Carr, NFL playoff contenders, NFC playoff or, contenders. Or what did I say? Yeah. NFC is all I meant. Uh, I mean, they are NFL playoff contenders though too. But again, it speaks uh, yeah. to the fact that we were wanting to have fun with it, and we yeah. all, like a lot of people suspected Dallas would probably win. Yeah, I was just like, whatever, you know. But they didn't. Um, yeah, the Las Vegas Raiders pulled off the upset on Turkey Day of all days. Uh, the game will li- likely still be talked about in terms of the number of penalties that were yeah. thrown. I think it was a record setting. It had been the most penalties since 2017 or 2018 yeah. in the game. I think. Um, no, it was just and, insane. Yeah, I mean the you know. But first and, of all, let me say yeah. for the Dallas fans who are going to be complaining, I'm not just saying. I'm really not just saying this. Mo, especially early on, very early on, and throughout most of the game, most of those penalties were pretty warranted. And um, Raiders got some too. Yeah. And yeah, oh yeah. I mean, by the end, it was getting ridiculous on both sides, and there were some that were like, okay. I mean, there was that one. Uh, I don't remember if it was a unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer, or just what it was, some sort of personal foul, mm-hmm. that uh, Carr had been kind of hit in the head twice when he was going down in the knees, and that wasn't something really that the Dallas players could control, yeah. and they got a penalty for that, and he kind of put on and acted like it was more of an injury which, than which it was. Does. So that was a little, that was some BS, I'll admit. And but most of those calls were a lot of pass interferences and holdings and stuff yeah, that they I, deserved. I do think I mean, objectively they the penalties were in more costly context for Dallas than they were yeah. uh, excuse me, the Raiders. However, they mostly were warranted. So what are you going to do? I yeah. mean, that's I mean, no, they were the uh, ones who kept doing that it. That corner for Dallas had four uh, Brown. I P, can't remember yeah, his first name. Pis. Brown. I mean, uh, yeah, and that was and 
No, they were blatant. I yeah. mean, they were blatant. I because, mean, it wasn't but, anything that was like, oh, questionable. No, a lot of those, a lot of those penalties were obvious. Yeah. But then, as the game went on, it was a lot of like just stupid stuff, mm-hmm. like on both sides. Yeah, I think. yeah. And then, like a- at the very end, when they in overtime, when they had to kick the field goal, that one player <laughs> ran twice. Yeah. Ahead of time. Yeah. The Dallas players just like. I don't know what yeah. kind of idiot that guy was. Yeah. He kept doing that over and over. So, again, um, did we reverse jinx it? Was the events of November 22nd, 1963 finally rectified on that day yesterday? <laughs> I don't know if uh, I want to go I that don't think far. So, but, but yeah. you know, yeah. order was restored in a way. The order um, was indeed up. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I love it. I'm gonna. Yeah. Lo- I'm just gonna love just kind of shrugging and standing up there with my Raiders jacket on on Monday, and all the kids are like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah penalties, yeah, like, penalties, yeah, we're still better." And I'm like, "Well, they didn't win, did they?" Yeah, so, want some cheese with that wine, call the ambulance. Yeah, wham, that's what I'm gonna, wham, that's wham, what I'm gonna yeah. do. I mean, you know, and yeah, like Dallas should have won the game, but guess what? They didn't. So, and I mean, the I and they were I noticed in particular they were really bad against the run yesterday. Elliot didn't really run very much, and he caught. I felt like he caught more, he like he he caught more stats, often but... and had better yards catching than he did running. Yeah. And that was part of the the Raiders' defense was actually pretty good on that on throwing. Yeah, it was a hit and hit or miss. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, both Carr and uh, Prescott had big days passing yeah. the ball, and but... I feel like you know overall that as much of the game. Went on. The Dallas did better, but early on, the Raiders kind of had their number the whole time, and they were never, uh, you know, behind them. And then it all got tied up and went to overtime. But which uh, we were very uh, scared about. Yeah. But we, but you know, we didn't win. But yeah, the Raiders won. So we're very happy about that. And again, and involved a little bit of JFK action in the background. Yeah. Who no turnovers. There was one fumble that the Raiders recovered, but that was interesting. In a game that was that hardly fought, that there were no turnovers ever by anybody. So yeah. that's kind of rare. Uh, and I think it'll be a game that people remember because it was very competitive. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's a big deal for the Raiders also because not a lot of people get to see them play very often, even myself, yeah. because I, we're literally as far away about as you can get. Yeah. Uh, but that. You know, they're usually only seen in primetime games or like the odd CBS second game or yeah. first game when like the Panthers aren't playing or something. Yeah. And like on a Sunday, but very rarely or Thursday night. But very rarely. Yeah, we don't do have NFL Sunday ticket or anything right. like that. To, so so we game. don't, we just see what we get yeah. around here, which is mostly Panthers game and then the. Fox game of the week with Buck and which is a lot of Dallas games, right? So. Or like, it's like Dallas, Green Bay, or New York Giants every week. Seahawks, like, or the Seahawks or the Saints. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's usually what it is. Is some of those games. So, so yeah, when you're playing on that big of a stage and everybody's watching you, it's it's good to see that kind of bump for the Raiders at least. So. Yeah. And a loss for the and loss for the Cowboys. Yeah. They play every year, so it's yeah. good to have a loss. The happiest I've been of a loss as far back as I can remember against Dallas is that is probably when they played that 2015 That's Panthers my all-time team. favorite uh, Thanksgiving game. Yeah. The memories of Luke Keekley like a pick six and Tony Romo is just uh, one that will forever live in my heart. And Romo was calling that game. He was, and, you know, he's kind of an impossible situation because he clearly loves Dallas, 
and I'm not even faulting him for that. I mean, yeah. you know, he's he played for he him played for him, and I get it. Uh, and there was a few times he was like he was really going in on what Dallas's perspective is and what Dallas needs to have happen. And that's a general national media problem. Um, that's not just indicative of him, but nonetheless, yeah, the Raiders pulled out the W. Just win, baby, indeed. Yeah. So that's it for the football talk for today. For now, yeah. Next, we want to talk a little bit about. Home sweet, home alone. Our thoughts on this. We had mentioned talking about we were going to see this a while back, uh, and we didn't get to talk about it last week or two because of either JFK or we just I guess forgot. we could have talked about it with Jackie, we just forgot. But, yeah, yeah. It's almost like the, there's not much to say yeah. about the movie I guess itself. That's, yeah. Um. Why? Why this? Why now? Is this the movie of the moment? You know. Home sweet home. Well, alone. you know what's weird. I'm gonna. How jump. does this contribute to the home alone mythos? Before I get there, I want to jump to a random thought. It's almost encouraging in a way to see a movie because this is just so weird to me to see a movie where most of the, the the MacGuffin of the movie is a really weird old doll. Yeah, that is just so not 2021. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nothing about that very is modern. 90s or 2000s. Yeah. Or it's something. like, oh my god, there's a doll that's weird. But it's, it's worth, worth a lot, lot of money. money. We gotta have it. That's just I've been thinking about that constantly. Yeah, that that is just so strange. Yeah, that's just like what like mm-hmm. you know, that just doesn't feel at all twenty twenty one to me, which I kind of like about it. It was one of the few things I liked about the movie, other than Rob Delaney and uh, Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper, yeah, which kind of won the movie. But it should be said like the they were they were like the new Harry and Marv. They were the ones breaking in to the house. They were kind of the main characters in a yeah. way. I mean, officially, it was that kid, Archie Yates, is, Archie Yates, whatever as, his actual name was. I don't know. Uh, the as movie. the new quote, Kevin. His name's not Kevin. Yeah, but he's that role. Um, Speaking of Kevin, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, uh, and Buzz even made an appearance himself. Uh, and we have a lot of deep a, thoughts on a big Buzz. Old burrito, um, right? nasty. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that. You know, there was, I don't even know if I said this to you, there's a part of me that wonders about this whole thing, like, is, this is going to sound laughable at first, but just go okay. with me here. Like, that the way that the burglars were depicted on this compared to the original films, how much society has, quote, lost its edge, that, like, you look at who Harry and Marv were yeah. in the original movie, I think, okay, we're yeah. talking about a, is it PG or PG-13? PG. A PG Christmas comedy, okay, I get it. But it is like Joe Pesci. You know what I mean? And a guy who, like, that's the same year Goodfellas came out and he had Raging Bull before that. I mean, this guy has Even been, Daniel Stern, who had been in, like, Woody Allen movies and, like, was just in more random stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, know. I hate to say this. They're both real actors. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're, right. like, yeah. they're like actual actors. Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper, who I really actually yeah. like both of, are comedians, actors. You know what I mean? And so... And there is a difference, by the way. I know a lot of people don't like it when people say these things. There's a difference between an actor and a comedian. Oh, yeah. Now, somebody like Jim Carrey was actually an actor also. Robin or Robin Williams. Williams. Yeah. But, like, I mean... But they're the exception. Yeah, like, I mean, I love... I mean, my favorite movie is People's Big Adventure. Is Paul Rubens an actor? I don't really know about that. He's a comedian. He's funny. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if he acts. Like, yeah, maybe in, like, I mean, Matilda. In. Yeah, in Matilda, sure. Yeah. That one scene in Blues Brothers, I get it. Yeah. You know, but, like, you know, there. yeah, there's a lot of these people that, like, they are funny, but are they actors? Like, I've never really seen Will Ferrell. 
I mean, he's so, I, I love Will Ferrell. But I can't think... I haven't seen that movie, Stranger Than Fiction, so Actually, maybe he does either. some acting in that. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, even in something like Elf, that whole character is so outsized and ridiculous. It's like, you're not really acting exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing with these two is that it's like it's more about delivering bits, which are mostly funny on their part. But again, there's uh, I don't know that it just there's an edge that Harry and I know this might sound laughable though. Yeah, there's a certain edge Harry and Marv have that is a little bit lacking in these two, and I actually like these two. So, Mm -hmm. but I think that is indicative of this whole thing in general that this isn't even getting a theatrical release. Going on Disney Plus, don't have to leave the house. You can be a, just a slob, just sit on your couch, yeah. lo- load up on the Doritos. The I'm sure there's a Doritos. I'm sure there's a like, lot of know. people that watch this this weekend. Oh yeah, uh, because it's like Thanksgiving and people are just sitting around. Like, oh, put that on for the It's kids. not as good as the first one though either, and uh, it's not. But it's just like it's almost like why do we even watch such a thing, knowing that it's not as now? It should be said, me and you have a certain vested interest in knowing what this is because yeah. as we mentioned in the past we may or may not have our own home alone a home alone story you say may or may not we may we, we do. do yeah uh so but. we were genuinely curious about what this is and is going to be speaking of that buzz makes an appearance now again we have a lot of deep thoughts on buzz as a quote yeah. character and what and, uh, the turns that he takes with our within our uh, Don't you know how to dial nine one one Flimwad? Uh, what do you think of Buzz's brief uh, appearance in I, this? Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's you could just see that actor again. Oh yeah, well, he was in that movie. Speaking of uh, the house, a couple years ago, oh, um, yeah. with Will Ferrell, that, he was in that one, right? I get the house and Rough Night mixed up. Yeah. So I don't remember which one he was actually in, and I'm gonna find that out right now. And there's probably like a third one, Rough House. No, the rough house, the rough house, as we remember from. He was all that show. actor was also in Nebraska. I remember. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. The, uh, Alexander Payne movie. Uh, he was in TikTok. Rough Night. Rough Night. That's what it was. Oh, okay. So, th- see, that's already the Christmas with the cranks and deck the halls of this generation, and not even holiday movies, but just like, wait, is it this or that? You yeah. Know? Speaking of, like, I- I've noticed Fred Claus has seen a big bump in uh. Which Film I think Twitter is just hilarious because that used to be a. We saw that movie in theaters and we were like, oh, this is a dumb story. We said that years ago, too. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, wait, people actually like this? Like, yeah. So, Home Sweet Home Alone, though, I mean, it literally is, oh, kid left home alone. He's going to put these people through a torture chamber. But by the end, they realize they really have more in common than they thought they did. Which is definitely not the vibe of Harry yeah. and Marv. They didn't get any revelations. Yeah. Other than that, we should have killed this kid. Like, yeah. that is their revelation. But yeah, it is interesting, of course, to see, like, oh, they don't really want to be doing it, but they're kind of, it gets out of hand. It's, all, it's and, about class. Yeah. But you know what's funny is, literally, it was like screenplay by John Hughes. Yeah, they, 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 they literally just like, we're not even going <laughs> to act like anybody else. Well, I mean, there were literally some, there was that scene where they're like whispering, they're like, well, come back. We'll come back at nine o'clock. I mean, there's literally Basically, some scenes are beat like, and it's just like off. exactly the same. Like, uh, let's jump over real quickly. What did you think of Archie Yates as the Kevin? Um, fine enough, but again, you know, and I'm not saying he was like some great. He was the next River Phoenix or something. His like name that. was Max. Uh, by the way, yeah, in the movie that. You know, Macaulay Culkin. He had a certain moment in time where he really had something. 
terms of as a child actor. Now, I think that did start to disappear by the time you get into Richie Rich and you got a little older. Um, but he just did have this something. I mean, uh, some you, there's a reason why he was cast in a decent little number of stuff at the late 80s, early 90s. Um, Archie Yates, fine enough. Might end up being a much better actor as he gets older than Macaulay Culkin was, but as of this point, was very... That blah. did not sound right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what was interesting is, like, it's weird because we know that the original Kevin was an SOB. Like, that, we know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I said, he had a charm about himself and this kind of wiliness that reminded me a lot of our sad and soulfulness age. too yeah. of being alone right. yeah yeah and but and just, well just the way we look yes we literally yeah. look a lot like uh, when we were younger like, especially yeah. yeah uh but yeah it's like i don't know it's just like when you see this version of that character i guess he's immediately just a sob like, there's nothing to really like about like he makes a big deal about going to their like open house and like wanting their like uh, soft drink or whatever, like he can't get that at home, you yeah, know. Right. And then he's like, he's just immediately a really evil little child. Yeah. And like, I don't feel that there is any real sort of like it tries to do this whole thing with the son of the Rob Delaney Ellie Kemper characters where they're at that church and he's like, yeah, we might be losing my house. He's like, well, I lost my family. And it's like, oh, you know, that's a shame. And they try to do that whole little scene. Kind of like that kid is a version of the old man in the original. Yeah. And it's just like, no, no. Well, another thing is, you too, know. like, Kevin, if you remember the very beginning of that first movie, is in a position where he's clearly like a mischievous kid, but a good-hearted kid, and ultimately one that feels like the, the pace of this family vacation is getting out of hand and he's not being paid attention to. And it's not even like he's like, I need to be the center of attention. He's literally... It's a very kind of relatable kid problem. Is I don't know how to what to pack. What do I pack? Who's going to help me? And everybody's like, ah, shut up. And you it's do it not even that he's saying he wants to be a center of attention. He just wants attention. That's yeah. up because he's that's getting a, he's no a child. Attention. I mean, yeah. you know, that's how so, children are. I mean, yeah, this one it's just like immediately like I mean, it's just it's literally a fast food film buff version of of the ver- of it. You know, yeah. it's just like. It's literally expedious. It's like you've seen it before. It's it's basically like it feels like really, and we've been basically saying this that it was like a vehicle for Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper to do some stuff. Yeah, and that the uh, the rest of it was all surrounding it. And well, we it, were like, genuinely confused who the quote his father was, even too. Yeah, through most of the movie, that is not clearly communicated. It was like Andy Daly. Yeah, because which, it was like, wait, so like, but he's not in the movie, but except two scenes. Then there was a who's the uh, Pete Holmes? Pete character? Holmes, we thought might have been. Who even is the uh, Chris Parnell? Chris Parnell character? Uncle, yeah. Like, I didn't understand any of that. And no, that's yeah. honestly sloppy filmmaking. Yeah. It's like you're not even really clearly communicating who is who here. And you know what's amazing about that first movie? is that you immediately know who everyone is. I mean, yeah. some of those kids probably kind of run together in your head. But no, but I think like, that the kid, and that's another thing I was going to say, is that the kids in this, it's like you got another one that talks like this, and it's a girl or whatever. Yeah. And then you got all these other, and it's like the kids didn't have any sort of like personality because I would ar- I would argue you were, you're kind of right, yeah, Maybe it gets confused, but that even works in the movie. If there's so many right, people right. in this, it's like there's no, it's just nothing. 
There's no one. And if you're, like, you know, you know. A Home Alone aficionados like us, part of the joy of going back and rewatching that movie is just to finally really exactly. map out and understand. Hope you don't just pack crap, Jeff. <laughs> Shut up, Lenny. Like, just yeah. all the. I mean, like. Again, we're yeah. truly making mountains out of molehills yeah. out of specific conversations that are <laughs> had in that movie in a second or blown up yeah. in the full scale episode. By the way, do you remember, this is just off topic, but do you remember that moment after the, don't you know how to knock Flimwad? And like, Kevin is explaining like, oh, can I sleep in your room? He'll let the, and it like does that insert shot going back to uh, Buzz just like looking at him while he's talking. Yeah. And he's just like a look of total disgust mm-hmm. and disinterest. He's just like, what like it's just stuff like that that I, we just think so funny but it's like this movie had none of that it's just like whatever it should be said i mean and we like home alone too but that's oh yeah not as well i mean the laziest one, blanking thing ever is the bird lady in that movie it's oh just yeah like, i am also strange and yeah. unusual you know it's just like <laughs> after the care. snowplow man yeah, or south no, shovel slayer no, or whatever no not the snowplow man right not Chris Elliott. No, nah, Chris Elliott should have been in Home Alone movies. Imagine him in a third, he, in a hypothetical third see, now, movie with think, uh, well, you Kevin. Could see, you could have seen him as the French Stewart character in Holiday Heist, I feel like, in its own way. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or was that Holiday Heist? Whatever that fourth one was. And as we said, and I won't go any further than this, but part of our whole story idea comes out of why didn't they just make other movies based with this family but in other parts right. of the year yeah that, that actually would have been a really yeah. cool idea no let's just do the most basic thing yeah. you know the almost most aggravating thing ever in a movie i've ever seen in its own way is that part in uh uh the second movie where like those two old people are looking at Kevin and he's kind of sitting there in the terminal area and he realizes that he's been forgotten again and he's just like, oh, well, here we go again. It's like a Brennan Fraser yeah. moment of like, here we go again, yeah. basically. It's just the dumbest thing yeah. ever. But yeah. Um, so that's that's that, you know? Yeah, home, I mean, I don't really have much to I mean, say. well, we, I mean, we it, didn't like it, but it was like, actually, it was not some yeah. unpardonable scene No, because I, I, mean, I actually liked it more than I even sound like I do because I thought the Ellie Kemper stuff and Rob yeah, that's Blaine what's stuff weird. was I mean, funny. I, I think but, the their role in the movie is indicative of some of its problems, yet they're so likable and yeah. they are genuinely funny in their own ways that... It's not again. And the Keenan Thompson character, who we was, thought yeah. might have been a reverse villain, and that yeah. he was going to be because it be was actually guy. that like, how are they even related to them? I don't even remember who. How was it that that guy that's on Veep was related to them? Was that his brother? His brother-in-law, maybe, or yeah, or wait a minute, was the wife, uh, his wife, like? Delaney or Kemper's sister and he was the brother-in-law I got the idea that that wife was like a new addition to the family no, maybe recently they, the Delaney and him were brothers maybe. I think that's what it is okay. I don't know yeah. that's what I'm saying anyway well, it's been nearly two weeks since we've seen it this it was anyways. that kids he stole it right he stole it Kind of uh, accidentally I mean not with any malice I guess yeah just I mean like he just took I it I mean he stole it uh, you know, we throw in some wild bunch while I mean, home sweet home alone. Yeah, you know? I mean that's what kids should really be watching. You know? <laughs> uh, the director's cut too, by the way, which I think is the only real available version. Um, but anyway, yeah, that he had stolen. No, it and, should have been about stealing the the uh, you know original version, like original. Yeah, you know, or but, about or about stealing the guns. Yeah, 
that oh he st- he stole it he stole the guns off the wagon you know maybe we could box. have some kind of a back to the future home alone heist uh Pike. Cro- crossover but it's like where they go back to the west well and what's Marty funny McFly, is that a big inspiration that, you know, for the ending of home alone was straw dogs don't forget it's all connected. I'm telling you. <laughs> I guess so, like, yeah. No, because that's what's funny when you go back and watch Straw Dogs now, an incredibly controversial movie that I quite like. Um, <laughs> I that, put that on the VHS yeah, cover. Um, but and it should say say that quote. Levi Huffman, Raiders fan. Um, you know, <laughs> but that yeah. I mean, you go back and watch that. It's literally like this is just Home Alone, but well, like Dustin Hoffman Skyfall, that, that and that too. Like, oh, it's like oh, the end of Home Alone, which like, is in itself more actually right, like right, Straw Dogs. Right. But anyway, um, but where what are we talking about? Home sweet home alone. Uh, Not good. <laughs> but that yeah yeah they should uh they should do some wild bunch thing. I don't know. They should do some wild bunch thing. Levi Huffman Raiders fan. Yeah. So uh, but yeah, well, so the were, movie was bad. Yeah. But I kind of liked certain things about it. But but oh, that's where we were going. So it was actually that little kid that stole the doll. Right. But we kind of thought, oh, will it be Keenan Thompson since he was in the house looking around and he steal it mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. But no. There was a random moment too where I was thinking about just Keenan Thompson even being in this movie and I was thinking about Keenan and Kel from the 90s. And I was just Which thinking, is so and- much better than Drake and Josh as you know. Yeah, that's a random pet peeve right. I have. I grew up watching, frankly, a little bit more Keenan and Kale than and I, I watched Drake, Drake and Josh. And now I watch a decent amount of Drake and Josh. Which too. I have no, I could care less about this, by but, the way. But um, yeah. a random pet peeve I have is when people about my generation are a little older are like, you know, just back in our day, we had Keenan and Kale and not Drake and Josh. It's like they're literally the same flipping show. It's just like, what's the difference? It's what like, was it's that like, moment where you say all the time, I do, I do, do I, I do. do. Was that from that or all that? Um, well, it was more on Keenan and Kale. Okay. You might have also said thought, that on there. I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah. Again, Keenan and Kale, the Ross the, Perot uh, on all that. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. We need to do a whole bonus episode. Yeah. And talk yeah about all that sorry. Yeah. I can't get to that. Um, yeah. But uh, I will say, in Bleeding Edge by Thomas Pinchon, the tuna scene. It was tuna from Keenan and Kale was referenced. So. God, the, you know, the God pinch on yeah. found it found it in his heart to reference that so yeah. he at least saw some Keenan and Kale in his life um, again Kevin not in the movie no but it was like, oh, he, he owns a security business which makes sense of the yeah. sort I right. guess it's almost too cute but it was almost like yeah well again we were sitting there like that's not our Kevin though yeah. we know did what you really notice though I Kevin. just now thought about this the scene where Buzz is talking about that he's eating that real big nasty burrito or whatever it was he's eating yeah. it's almost like that guy that's in like the three little pigs that was the big bad wolf and was like the fake Kramer yeah. in Seinfeld where that he's guy. like in that and he's like eating that donut and it's like falling all over the place yeah. in the original home he's like you want us to go and check on him yes <laughs> as the queen yeah. doesn't know her but Said. Let me transfer you. <laughs> oh ma'am, it's you again. Yes, hi. My son. Yes. Yeah, hi, look. Yeah, yeah, hi, look. Uh, and he's like, all right, we'll go send over someone in your house to check on your son. Um, there's no one in the house, Pilgrim. Like, <laughs> so yeah. Home anyway, Home Alone. Um, I don't even know who should who who should uh, this movie be recommended to. I'm trying to figure it out. No one. It, people I mean, trying to just uh, update the Home Alone with kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's the only thing. I mean. It, listen, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, we got to put on some movie for the family 
this Christmas tide. Go ahead, I get. But, like, no, don't do that. You know, don't put on Hawkeye either, just because that's probably going to be a waste of time. Yeah, but anything Disney Plus, you know. Watch you... The Civil War by Ken Burns. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, and just think, if you want to think about how grateful and thankful you are, watch that. Yeah. You didn't live through all no, that. No, I mean, like, I want to I want to bring that up. I don't know if this hit you as hardly as it did me. There was that talking about, I think it was, uh, was it the Battle of the Wilderness? Yeah, it might have been. That was the most recent one. I don't remember what battle it was, but they were talking about uh, how so many people were, like, writing their names on oh, pieces of paper. Yeah. But there was that one, somebody found, they didn't even find the body. They found a diary mm-hmm. that somebody had, and it literally wrote the date, said uh, what the battle, where the battle was, and said, uh, I was killed. And, and that time. and that, that was it. And it was just like, they knew that they were going to die. You know, just yeah. that just shows a true horror of the nature of that war. Anyways, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> But uh, you know, let's transition into a <laughs> let's transition into some things we're burning on. Jim, take it away. As we begin our look back, here is what I am burning on. This is a topic that we were eventually gonna, of course, always arrive to on this yeah. podcast. Uh, let's go. Ahead, it's good to go ahead and get out of the way. We're probably uh, who knows. We may be tackling some Christmas movies in the uh, weeks to come. We will be. Spoiler alert. Um, a movie that is unambiguously a Christmas movie. Yeah, should be said. Okay, so around this time, <laughs> and you're, yeah, anytime you go on Twitter, or Hell, people do it Facebook, all year. I mean, yeah, all yeah. year. Um, people think it's very clever and coy to just say it's such and such is a Christmas movie. Um, it should be said that there's a whole debate of what about what a quote Christmas movie is. Um, it in of itself usually is its own genre. I think when people think of Christmas movies, they think of Home Alone. They think of It's a Wonderful Life. They think of Hallmark movies in general. That's like its own whole subgenre of Christmas movie. Um, and it's if a lot of people find it clever and coy and cute, say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. You know, movies that very obviously are not really Christmas movies, but they happen to take place at Batman Christmas. Batman Returns. Batman Returns. What about this really sticks in your crawl? First of all, do we want to start with the big thing first, or we want to build up to it? Let's build up to it. Okay. First of all, most of these movies are not released in the holiday season. So, to you, does that what defines yes. a Christmas movie? Is a movie because that's released in it the is clearly season? intended, therefore, by I very rarely care what studios intend, but it's very clearly intended to hit to hit and say. This is a Christmas movie. This thing, exclamation point, duh, 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 big lights, like saying what it is, you know. Uh, I can li- literally all those movies. Batman Returns, like June yeah. of ninety two. Die Hard, July of eighty eight. Yeah. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut, July. June or July, yeah. Of ninety nine. Yeah. Nope. All those xed out. I don't care if they're in, you know, just because you have a setting that is around that time does not make it a Christmas movie. Just because there is a moment in the movie when it's Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Big section in the middle of that movie, one of the most important sections of the movie, is all based around Christmas time. Yeah. It is not a Christmas movie. Um, There's another one just left me. 
Well, the movie we're doing today. Yeah. Not really a Christmas movie. Yep. Set around Christmas. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of these movies, and and I get it. You know, I guess that you know, okay, who's the setting? It's like it's like what people see in front of them mm-hmm. is what it is. It's like mm-hmm. they can't like see below something. They can't read between the lines, as PBS would say. <laughs> Uh, my other biggest thing. Okay, so first of all, I think it has to be released in usually time. during the holiday season. So what is that defined as? Is like November, November and December. To December. Yeah. Okay. A lot sense. of people think that's it. There are other movies I'm sure that have been released outside of that that would qualify. Uh, Black Christmas. That's another movie. It's not really a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. That was also released in October, by the way, if you care. Mm-hmm. Um, of '74. But um, yeah. I mean, that's not really a Christmas movie. So. Yeah. You know. When was It's a Wonderful Life released? December. Hmm. It's almost like that is a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So yeah, the that, next... That, let me just say yes. just about It's a Wonderful Life, which I think is a brilliant movie. You know, it's a movie that weirdly is not often remembered. Most of the movie does not take place. No, Christmas. yeah. It's most a of flashback it about yes. his whole life kind of a thing. But it... But the framing devices and the majority of the uh, dramatic tension is during Christmas, it should be said. Yeah. So... Um, I'll get back to some thoughts I have on that movie in a minute, which are only positive. Um, but so another aspect, I think the actually the biggest aspect of a Christmas movie is that it has to be about the, uh, you know, themes, the ideas yes, the behind themes and ideas of Christmas. Okay. Now that can either be on a secular or a spiritual level. Does the fact. I was just looking Gremlins is in June, actually. That's too. another one that I, is in a Christmas movie, by the way. I think that was a little... Uh, it's a little more of one, yeah, yeah. but I still don't think it is. Um, And part of that is this whole idea of let's release these Christmas-esque movies in the summer to get people Well, that's a whole other thing, Christmas in Christmas July. Christmas in July, which yeah. is literally only created to sell things, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Rudolph and Frosty, Christmas in July, which is a real special that exists. If you don't believe that, go look it up. I'm sure Dumbest they, thing ever. Yeah, I'm sure our believers, our viewers, our believers are our believers viewers. view that. Yeah, yeah, our believers our have viewed that. Yeah. Uh, but so yes, like for example, a movie like let's pick on a hard. Mo- well, all right, we'll pick something easy first. A Christmas Carol. That is very clearly every version of that is very clearly from. The one in the 30s, to the one in the 70s, to Scrooged, to Muppet, Muppet Christmas Carol, to the stupid uh, Zemeckis. Zemeckis movie. Which, eh, whatever, yeah. fine. Uh, all of those are about the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. Very much about this person doesn't like Christmas, and over time they do. Yeah. Now that movie it's, is it's positioning about charity itself and giving, yeah. in, in both a spiritual sense and... And literally not even a consumerist sense because that was even a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Because that movie's very anti-greed or that whole story's very anti-greed. Yeah. Uh, it's very much, you know, about, okay, you know, this is about, you know, giving and charity and yeah. what have you. Right. So that is itself a Christmas story. Let's yeah. move on to another one. This one's a tougher one. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. That is kind of, uh, you know, a complicated mm-hmm. thing because it's a lot about Halloween, actually. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a lot about holidays in general and about actually the fanaticism of holidays. Yeah. Um, 
And so that one's kind of complicated because it's kind of in between. But, and I've got people going back and forth on this because a lot of people view the movie and they say, um, you know, uh, that it is about Halloween because it ultimately says, oh, but actually Halloween, there's the people say, I want to go back to Halloween, right? Yeah. But really what it's about is people recognizing the spirit of what Christmas is. Yeah. And saying, oh, it's not about Santa Claus and the presents and this and that. It's about that kind of what we will say the consumerist vague version of charity and giving. Yeah. And that the people then say, okay, well, that's great. We're not going to handle that, but we're going to change what we do about our holiday too. Mm Mm-hmm. So that in itself is showing actually that's a Christmas movie, really. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion, that I, that's a movie you can argue either I way. Think, I think. Uh, but. I think it's. Uh, I I I could uh, concede that interpretation. I do think for me it's about. <laughs> it's going to reveal something about me, I guess. About horror slash Halloween people insisting that the rest of the year be about them yes, and ruining true. it yeah. for any other time of the year yeah. for you know them that's what i see it as a little yeah. bit but uh but yeah i mean it's you know it's this general time of year in terms of october november uh yeah and part of that is my know. big thesis on all this i'll get to in a moment but can you think of any other christmas uh, any opinions you have on all this well i want to i want to go to gremlins for a second because i think there's a conversation to be had about that now that's a movie that makes a big deal about it's Christmas time. I mean, it starts with that big song, and it's all covered in snow, that little town. And the movie in general, and this is true of a lot of Joe Dante movies, is like has a fascination and fetish, fetishistic nature towards the 50s in general, which yeah. was true of a lot of directors of the 80s. Um, and it is about, in some ways, about like... Uh, be careful what you wish for, and this gift can have this, you know, ulterior motive or purpose or even horror. But then a lot of people would point also to the, you know, the whole Phoebe Kate story about her father dressing up like Santa Claus and dying and all this stuff. And in general, I do think that movie is a little more in a gray area. Mm-hmm. Uh, more because of the former thing, actually, than the latter. Um, but nonetheless, you know, and yeah, and I, I think, think a lot yeah. of people too, and you might have been headed toward this direction, is that, you know, I feel like a lot of people get off on, and you know, I say this even as a Christian. Christmas is a time that has been like greatly subverted by commercialism and by what it's not really about. And I sometimes roll my eyes at people like who are like, bemoan this in a weird way yeah. like a, oh it ain't about jesus anymore it's about this that or the other thing some of those people do get on my nerves but there is a certain truth yeah. to that at the same time yeah. that it is all about santa claus and it's all about ho 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 and all that stuff and it's all about yeah. elves and reindeer and all that whatever grandma got run over by a reindeer and it is but it is undeniable to me that a lot of people most red get, get off on yeah. taking christmas down a notch yeah. by like oh what if uh, this movie that's about terrorists taking over this skyscraper is really a Christmas movie? Or re- what about um, uh, this movie about uh, the sex lives of a man, a uh, husband and wife, uh, is a Christmas movie? Or right, like with, um, yeah. this um, wing freak uh, yeah, dressing up freak. like fighting a penguin man, terrorizes and, and yeah. a woman dressed up like right. a cat uh, at Christmas time. And Christopher Walken, like, I am a consumer. 
but I also make things like you know. And let me just say, like as far as Batman Returns like and Eyes Wide Shut goes, it's good. Yeah, yeah good enough. It's it'll it'll whatever. do the job. Y'all know who uh, it I love both of those movies. Yeah, and that has my annoyance at this whole phenomenon has nothing to do with my love of those movies. Those that's kind of put that in another category. Um, now, Die Hard, I actually like and respect, but I'm frankly foundered on that movie for some years, and it'll probably be a while before I watch that again uh, because of the culture's insistence on that all the time. Uh, also, well, have we seen anything about Christmas Story yet? No, we haven't. Uh, now, that's very clearly, yeah, unambiguously a Christmas, movie, a Christmas yeah. movie. I want to talk about that. The whole phenomenon of that yeah. being shown for 24 hours a day, not only on one, but sometimes two networks, um, very baffling to me. I don't think any movie, no matter how great it is, should be shown that often. Yeah, even Citizen Kane, even Vertigo, even The Godfather. Like, we need our limits here, okay, in yeah. terms of how often something can be shown. What do you think of both that movie and that phenomenon in general of it being shown like it is every year? Well, first that's of all, that's subjected stupid. to it every Christmas. That's dumb. Yeah. I don't know why that movie got chosen. I th- And, yeah, I... I think what I can I jump back to Gremlins real quick. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. all unorganized. Yeah, I want to yeah. jump back to that for a moment before we get lost in yeah. all this. Well, I actually think that partly is a Christmas movie. The more I think about it, because it's chiefly in a lot of strange ways about consumerism in the eighties. Obviously, which would even even okay. more be that in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, but that specific, which is not at all a Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, but that. That movie is almost about the horrors and kind of alternative weirdness of Christmas. Yeah. And about how something like the Phoebe Cates story kind of puts this whole veneer of like good intentions turn horribly yeah, wrong right. about Christmas and just well, you can like see that with uh, and his father bringing Gizmo over yeah and, um, and like and that like Christmas also brings out a lot of sad times for people about loss and yeah. and so I think that movie is in a lot of ways about that actually mm-hmm. uh which I respect about it but also don't totally lo- but I, I'm interested that yeah. there's a movie that is that yeah anyway moving on my big pro so first of all, I don't have anything to say about the Christmas story being shown twenty four hours other than that it's just stupid. Yeah. The uh main thing about that movie for me, that movie is quite clever. It's a little too clever. Mm-hmm. Now, it is clever, but it's almost not anymore because it's been well, when you see Memified a movie twenty four hours and, uh, for years, it's like picked who apart cares? every little thing. Um But that that movie's big problem for me. It's kind of like what we're saying, and what you're right, I was going in that direction, where people don't want to engage with what Christmas actually is, so therefore they want to be cynical about it and Ironic, want to like yeah. things about it that are other and alternative. That So that movie, therefore, is clever in the fact that it is very rarely ever about Jesus. Yeah. Almost never. Uh, it's all about... And it's kind of interesting. I actually kind of like. I, I actually kind of like a lot of things about the movie. Theoretically, what it actually is, and and the movie itself. My ultimate opinion on it: it's fine. It's an all right movie. You know, there's things I like about it, don't like about it. There's things that I think are really funny about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That I still laugh about. But overall, it's a movie that, frankly, it's been neutered by its uh, omnipresence. Yeah. It's just I don't. But care that about would it. happen like, with any movie. Yes. That, so that's that, the yeah. big problem. 
and the people who love it are kind of annoying. And you know what? There's some people that we know personally. No offense to you, specific, some specific people I'm thinking of. Yeah. You're great people, but I'm, I'm just thinking of two in particular. Yeah, but with one, that movie, one we may be related to, and then yeah, one that's a uh, educator. With that movie though, are those two same two you're thinking of? Yes. Okay. Uh, with that movie though, it's just so cynical, and it. But I like the theory that it's all about one, because it puts you in the mind of a child. It's all about one gift, one year, yeah. that he was really wanting to get, you know. And then it's like, okay, then he moved on. That was it. Yeah. You know. And I find that interesting that you, like I said, to put you in the mind of a child, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's this one thing you really wanted, and then when you get older, you realize, oh well, I guess I didn't really. I'm vaguely care interested about too that, how that like, movie depicts the 40s. Yeah, that it's almost just like this big swarm of late 40sness, and it's like you're not really sure when exactly it's taking place, and it's not making a big deal about being like a historical drama or anything like yeah. that. But like, it's all just kind of this imaginary, based in reality, but pastiche of the 40s. Yeah, and it's like a of, yeah, it's like a post-war. Yeah. Ultra, like right before the fifties, kind of the the growth of capitalism. I mean, capitalism is already a thing, really. Yeah. But that kind of new capitalism, almost post-war in America, um, and that therefore, yeah, it's like very cynical about like, you know, oh, I really want this, I really want this BB gun, and all the like sick, frankly perverted ways that he goes about getting that. And in many ways, that's and, just trained him to be an adult. Right, <laughs> and so, and he sees his father, I mean, and that movie is just, that. another thing about that movie, it wants to be weird yeah. a lot, and therefore, it's and it's training. also important to note that Bob Clark, who directed that, directed Black Christmas. So it still has this kind of veneer of like some weird horror elements here and there in it. Very yeah. small, but like, the scene where he goes to see Santa, yeah. the way that's filmed is very clearly meant to be horrifying. Yeah, like, uh, you know, and yeah. come on, hurry up, the store's closing, that guy, you know. <laughs> and like, you know, and everybody tells him, you shoot your eye out, and it's all very, like, obviously trying to be oppressive. Mm -hmm. and um, But that the whole movie is so very much about, I want this one thing, and I don't really care about the holiday. And he's a child, so it doesn't really matter. But it's like nobody actually cares about the holiday, really. Mm -hmm. It's like they're all going through the motions. It really is a pretty interesting, pretty clever movie, yeah. really, when you think about it, what it is. But the people who associate themselves with it, and once again, we're talking about people who I don't necessarily think are this person, no. definitively, because no. I know yeah. them. They're not this. But a lot of people who love that movie, like I said, are looking at it all from this very cynical, angry point of view. It's important to note that the that movie's only one part of a book, a memoir, that the guy who wrote that was called God We Trust All Others Pay Cash. So that's only one part of a larger story about his life. Yeah. Um, and that it's all coming from this point of view of all oh, it's all about money and and greed and we want these things and like I mean it's a BB gun, but it's also important to think about how that it is a BB gun, but it's all based around a weapon that is mm -hmm. intended to murder people, and that's something that somebody's wanting for Christmas. I know that it isn't an actual gun that a child can use really to, and it only hurts himself. Yeah, maybe that's obviously the lesson of the movie in its own way. Yeah, but like, you know, 
it's just, I don't know. I think it is the omnipresence of that movie because the more I'm talking about the movie, the more I'm actually kind of thinking about how good it is. Well, again, the, way, the but, problem but it, is just the fact that it's shown so many times. Yeah. It's just like it gets drilled into your head. And, you know, I think every family has its own little holiday traditions of movies that they watch around certain times of year. Um, but the force feeding of that movie on the culture, I think, is part of the problem. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think it's that. Don't even get me started on Christmas Vacation. I ain't even going to go there with that. Yeah, crap. we're not fans no. of that. Or well, Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase. Or the Vacation Chevy Chase is a deadbeat general. scumbag. I hate him. Screw him. What, but what don't you but like what, about him? Yeah, what, but, yeah. <laughs> In the spirit of the holiday. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, th- yeah, I think it's just that that movie is adopted by a really annoying group of people that uh, are very cynical and angry at the holiday anyway. Yeah. And, and see the holiday as nothing but that. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, well, if you turn to the Gospels, mm-hmm. the Bible, you're going to find some other things, but whatever. And I think that's um, what's very, to me, just in general, not just about these movies, but about the holiday of Christmas, that's kind of frustrating to me, is that I genuinely do love this time period. I yeah. genuinely really, I'm as much of a kid in some ways about it as other people are. Um, but also do acknowledge a lot of the hypocrisies inherent into it, and that's not just and fault, it is really but that's yeah. uh, it is really our, difficult. It, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, in many ways about the cowboys and uh, Black Friday yeah. and all this stuff. Just like these inherent hypocrisies about America that, like, we say we're one thing, but the reality is we're something different. I feel like Christmas in of itself is a version of that, uh, and so well, uh, and it, and and when you yeah. add cinema into the mix, that. Certainly, uh, in Christmas, in Christmas in itself, in it. a lot of the, and I'm not trying to blame this on other countries, but Christmas in itself all comes a lot of its, uh, you know, pagan traditions, pagan yeah. traditions that come out of a lot of stuff from Germany and other places in Europe mm-hmm. uh, that we have morphed and perverted into its own yeah thing. But yeah, I mean, it is really difficult to separate the Jesus from the greed in in the holiday and I find myself always at a constant effort around this time of year to do that for myself it's not easy um but there are people who are outright out to get the holiday or to outright just revel in the bs of the holiday that want to say this is a Christmas movie that's a Christmas movie because they don't want to actually deal with the actual holiday yeah um, it's interesting to think that v- there aren't really very many Christmas movies that are just about Jesus. Because even a movie like Ben-Hur, which isn't really, it is about Jesus in the end, but isn't. Even that is actually more of a Easter yeah. movie. Because it's about the crucifixion. Most Jesus movies are actually about the crucifixion in a lot of ways. Um, you know what's a, a weird, unlikely Christmas movie? is something like The Wizard of Oz. Because that was oftentimes for many, many years shown yeah. on TV... Um, even around the Christmas yeah, time, even like, that, or and, even around New Year's, and too. you know, yeah. we've talked to our mom and dads about like um, we also obviously watch all the peanut specials. We just watched the uh, Thanksgiving one just a few nights ago. Um, that we always watch the Christmas one, and that's really one of the most heartfelt. I think yeah, of, uh, the most heartfelt of those. Because three, interestingly you know? about that, it kind of hits everything you want about a Christmas special or movie or whatever because it it's about the hustle and bustle of the holiday the uh inherent uh expectations yeah and and like the inherent just evil about a lot of the holiday that it's all about you have to have a christmas play uh you have to have 
uh, the tree. You have to have this. And then when you get something that's lesser than, mm-hmm. it's seen as, oh, well, uh, the heck with you. You know, you didn't do what you needed to do. You're lame. Yeah. And then the movie, though, not only decries the Especially, greed yeah. and the expectations, it says, I mean, it quite literally has the moment in it where Linus gets up in front of everybody and reads the Gospel of Luke, yeah. basically, out loud, yeah. and says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Like, yeah. you know... So that really is actually probably the best um, exemplification of what a Christmas product should be, yeah. Because it pretty much gets at everything it is, yeah. Really, pre- and that was in the '60s, yeah. So um, the LBJ era, you know. And I'm not just saying this just to be Great like society everything indeed. is out to get Jesus these days, but I don't know that something like that would be made now. Not uh, even that it could be, that it would be, yeah. So. Um, and that's something. And you know, that has what's ironic too people, is but. is that like you can now buy the Charlie Brown tree as its own product, yeah. <laughs> which is the ultimate snake swallowing its tail moment yeah. of just like. So we didn't acknowledge. Right. We don't really get it all what it was actually trying to say. Yeah. Right, we're just gonna buy that. Yeah. Okay, as a product. Um, but again, something like Wizard of Oz. I mean, and what I was going at earlier talking about these specials is that there used to be a day, a day before we were long around that um, the only time you saw certain things were that maybe that one time a mm-hmm. year. And if you missed the Wizard of Oz this year, well, you wasn't going to probably be able to see it until the next year. You know, So that's what's funny is the Wizard of Oz is better than all these movies. And it's not yeah. a Christmas movie at all. You know? Yeah. Who knew? Uh, but, yeah. So we knew we were going to probably have this conversation about Christmas movies in general. Uh, well, just also, just last thing here really. like, What do you think of – What do you? what's your impressions of a person – when they see, oh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, what's your first thoughts of hearing that? Because uh, it used to be a novelty to say that. It's not a novelty anymore. First of all, they're a fool. Yeah. Second, um, they're, they're, they either, so first of all, they are a fool. Second, they're either just a fool or a they are also fool. have, or they are also at their core a very cynical, um, banal human being who only wants to revel in things that are um anti-humanist yeah <laughs> just, uh, uh so and wants to just be cynical all the time and be the different person and oh i'm cool because you're not cool everybody says that now um so there you go so Again, there you go jake tapper no offense but i know he does this all the time i know like i every year he does this whole thing on Twitter, and then people say, oh, uh, and I remember he's like, glad you're part of the club now, or whatever. It's like, everybody thinks this. Get yeah, over yourself. Right. Yeah. It's like the way Jackie Brown used to be cool to say, oh, Jackie Brown is actually Jackie his best movie. my favorite. Yeah. Or like, oh, uh, King of Comedy is actually really good. It's like, everybody thinks that. Mm-hmm. Move on. Yeah. In a yeah. weird way, I mean... Uh... I can't because just this book I've been recommending to anyone and that I'm in proximity to over the last month or so. Um, uh, Crossroads, the new book from Jonathan Franzen, principally takes place around Christmas time of 1971. There's some stuff before and after that, but um, that combined with um, his book, The Corrections, which is also kind of about a family gathering together for quote one last Christmas as uh, the father is slowly kind of dying of Alzheimer's. Um, both of those to me that, you know, that kind of, this represents, I think where we're at in general with the holiday spirit is just the whole concept of this new sincerity that, you know what, actually the cool thing is, is just to really embrace it for what it is and try to, despite the irony, despite the, 
uh, whininess, despite the smugness and the entitlement, to actually go, you know what? Some of these criticisms you may say about the holiday are true, but this is still what I find meaning of yeah. and yeah. and what I want it to represent. So that's our take on Christmas movies. Speaking of Christmas adjacent material, mm-hmm. Carol, yeah, from 2015, which again is our movie of the week. Levi, yeah. hit us up with the deets on Carol. So Carol is a 2015 romantic drama period film. Love all that romantic drama period mm-hmm. film. Directed by Todd Haynes. Uh, screenplay by Phyllis Nagy, based on the 1952 romance novel The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith, um, which was then republished as Carol in 1990. I didn't know that. So. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't a very until a long, long time later that book. she actually came out that that was her. Mm-hmm. I think she wrote under yeah. a pseudonym. Right. Yeah. Uh, the film stars Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara. Well, we'll talk about all that in a minute. All those folks. Set in New York City during the early 1950s. I think it's like late 1952. Yeah. Um, Carol tells the story of a forbidden affair between an aspiring female photographer and an older woman going through a difficult divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, I'll go ahead and say now, it made forty-two million on eleven million, so it actually was a little bit of a success, which is kind of surprising for a movie yeah. like this. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, of course, it was released in November of. 2015, but I remember we saw it in like January of 2016. Yeah. Funny enough, I remember we went to see that and we planned on. Do you want to admit to a crime? No. <laughs> that comment. we were no comment. Okay, no. we were gonna sneak into. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh no. Okay. Yes, yeah. This yeah. is fine. We were yeah. gonna sneak into 13 hours. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we went in. Yeah. And sat down because so we went and saw Carol. Then we were like, okay, we'll go see Thirteen Hours, the after Michael that. Bay when film. We do that. that a lot. You can't sorry, really do this I, now. <laughs> sorry, I made that sound like oh something really bad um, we did, but yeah. that um, we used to pay for a movie that we really wanted to see and knew, knew needed the money more and needed the business and was ethically uh, needed our money more. And yeah. then we'd sneak into something that's like, well, we kind of want to see that, but a little less. And so we did that a lot, yeah. and yeah, we paid for Carol like good little boys. Yeah, and then we're gonna go sneak in thirteen hours, and then we sat down and we we're like, nah, nah, because we came out of this movie, we were like, that's ah, just too good to follow right. up with this. Right. But we later went and saw thirteen hours and actually paid for it. Yeah, so, yeah. and it, it was actually all right for a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, but but yeah, I remember that about this movie. Now his that, new one, Ambulance, I actually quite want to see <laughs> what, the Ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, just want to put that out there. I now. forgot that was yeah. this. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I made you can't, that sound again. Like you it can't do that really anymore bad, because no, now, no, no. Um, yeah. you got to reserve seats. And... I was never the biggest fan of doing that, anyways. And the main reason, just the laziness of me, was that I was like, I don't know that I want to go see two movies in a row. You know, yep. we uh, one of the time we we didn't do that too often personally. Me, but I remember we did that with Fruitvale Station and the Wolverine. We play for Fruit. Paid for Fruitvale Station, went and saw Wolverine. I think, did we do that for uh, Rules Don't Apply and Allied, or did we pay for the? I think we paid for both those, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. Yeah. I think we paid well, for Two those. movies that have been totally forgotten. Well, uh, I think Fruitvale Station and Wolverine are even more forgotten for me than those other two are. Well, for, yeah, but I'm saying in the, Lexicon. for everybody else, yeah. is what I'm saying. I guess so, yeah. yeah. No, because Fruitvale Station, remember, because of Ryan Coogler, and the Wolverines, remember, just because it was a superhero movie. Those other two... No. Wolverine fell even more by the wayside after Logan came out. Oh, so, yeah. oh this was what that was trying to be. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was also a situation where 
we saw Brutevale Station. It was like, wow. And then you go and see Wolverine. Like, what the hell is any of this crap? Yeah. Like, you know, it was just, but anyway. Um, Wolverine did survive Hiroshima or Nagasaki, one of those. I don't know. Oh, uh, it showed yeah. that in that day. Yeah, remember he like, got like fried basically, and he's like, because he held that thing up to protect that Japanese guy, and part of it like burned through, and that was the scar he had the rest of his life. And then he was like, literally like burned all his hair off. <laughs> yeah, because, and all, like, because you know, every single. Uh, can adamantium really stand up to that, by the way? Probably not, no. Well, he didn't even have adamantium then, though, did he? No, that's just no, he had because the healing he factor. just had the right. Adamantium was installed later on, like. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had forgotten that the healing factor wasn't part of the. No, the whole reason he was picked to have adamantium put into his. Because he would live. Right. Right. That was the whole. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Anyways, Carol. Well, (laughs) hang on. Before we get to that, though. I love that Hugh Jackman in all those movies was is always basically just like, like yeah, you know, has like, some moment or scene where he does that. Yeah. Like one of my favorites of those was in uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, which is one of the worst movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it for some reason. One point we yeah, remember, we um, but that that moment where he comes out of the water of the water with adamantium, yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> a big moment. It's so dumb. Yeah. Anyway. Remember, uh, the, like, remember the opening credits of that movie was like him and Sabretooth played by the uh, Lee Schreiber, Schreiber yeah. like in the Civil War. Yeah, and they were like, like it was like showing them going through all these different wars or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so dumb. But yeah. it's trying to be like a whole like uh, near dark situation yeah. where like that. Uh, uh, oh Lord, what's that guy's name? Bill Pullman. Uh, no, uh, Bill Paxton. No. Uh, the guy those? that was in. Uh, uh, Aliens, uh, oh, as the the robot guy, yeah, uh, Lance Henriksen. Lance, Lance Henriksen was like Terminator. I think fall and the Confederacy, yeah, or whatever. And he's talking about that, and it's like one of the great moments of the movie. He kind of laughs and's like, "We lost." He's just like, "I don't give a crap, whatever." Yeah. you know. But anyway, all right, Carol, uh, <laughs> the cast: Clay Banchet, Kate Banchet, <laughs> Clay. She's been banned by the Chets. <laughs> uh, Gino, Kate Blanchett as Carol Aird. So uh, I'm gonna try to real. I'm really gonna try to work to like transition what we've talked okay, about. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, even an actress's greatest Kate Blanchett, even she's got to lick the boot heels of the superhero machine now because she was in you know Thor Ragnarok as the villain. And oh that. yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And she's really truly one of our great actresses. I think you would agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she won an Academy Award for uh, Blue Jasmine, which was a pretty mm-hmm. good little Woody Allen movie from a few years ago, and she was really good in it. Um, she has, you know, come to typify, I think, what this this um, generations of style and class on the red carpet kind of looks like, I think, in a lot of ways, is, say, Kate Blanchett. Someone who I don't think she's actually all that concerned with any of that stuff. She yeah. really obviously wants to be known more as an actress. Uh, she's Australian, right? I yeah. She's that mm-hmm. or British. Um, again, she's been in a great many things. We mentioned Aviator a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that she won for that. I mean, she's past, totally amazing. Uh, that's that. really yeah. one of the best examples I've ever seen of someone playing someone who's already this iconic figure in yeah. Catherine Hepburn and actually bringing her own life and uh, yeah. know, uh, wit and spontaneity to that and was amazing as uh You know, I that. love that scene in that movie where they're flying in the plane uh, and he like lets her take over or whatever and he's like got the milk, he's like drinking yeah, the right. milk and they have a whole romantic moment. Yeah. There's that funny, sh- it's such a Scorsese moment. 
it's like there's a shot of the plane flying and there's this piano jazz and mm-hmm. it's very dun, 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 like yeah i don't know how to explain it but something about that scene is just so both hilarious and genuinely great to yeah me. but anyway yeah. i don't know uh and I still I love Kate Blanchett. I feel like she had a little bit of a reputation <laughs> that Tilda Swinton has kind yeah, of come up yeah. from under her and like I don't know if stolen's the word, but just like she stole it. The, uh, Tilda Swinton is now considered, you know, I think if you look back at the body of work Tilda Swinton's done the last like dozen plus years, yeah. it's pretty unparalleled in terms of the number of movies she's yes, been in. Because the Kate number Blanchett of recently has. has been a little. Uh, you're right in that. I think that. Kate Blanchett is still great. Yeah. But she's been in Ocean's 8. She's been in Thor. Yeah. Um, just stuff like that that's very just like, or Thor Ragnarok. Right? Yeah. Uh, she was in that Cinderella movie. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. She was like the wicked stepmother. Oh, and then I, of course, she's like the villain in yeah. uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. yeah which is kind of like probably, a Soviet Russian. Probably the first then. thing I've ever seen her in. Maybe. Or no, no, no. I would have seen her in the Lord of the Rings movies. Before Benjamin that. Button. Uh, oh, also Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. She's obviously Galadriel in that. So beautiful and elegant. But then those scenes where she turns on Frodo yeah. to t- tell the prophecy yeah, or whatever. Mock me and despair. As a kid, it genuinely scared me. I remember in the theaters. It was like, wow. Things that are and some things that will not come to pass. That will not come to yeah. pass. Uh, one of my favorite moments in any movie actually comes by way of her at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. When it's, I, Have we talked about this on here, about no, that moment so, where no. she's like talking about Gollum and she's like, for 500 years no. it poisoned his mind. We quote like, that all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. In fact, can we just put that in here? For 500 years it poisoned his mind. What a what a line reading, you know. Poisoned his mind. Uh, go through her uh, filmography and just see yeah. some other things that maybe we're uh, not uh, remembering offhand. But in general, she's one of those actors that you see if she's in something, you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. You know, like, go down there I a little want bit. There's a there's her. a link. Go down right on the screen and stage. There's a whole link that goes to her filmography. Where? Most actors now on Wikipedia have their own oh, okay. filmographies. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's easier, I guess. Life, of course, she was in Life Aquatic. I kind of oh, that. yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. She Babel, actually hasn't been in a lot of her, other Wes Anderson yeah, movies. I do though. remember her in Babel. She kind of she kind of has a thankless role in that movie because she like gets shot in mm-hmm. the movie. Kind of a spoiler. But, yeah, I didn't know she was in Eyes Wide yeah, Shut uncredited. as Mysterious Woman voice. Uncredited. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but, yeah, the, uh, she gets shot. It's not really a... a Spoiler, because it's early in the movie. She gets shot in Babel. Mm-hmm. And most of the movie's her being shot. And it's kind of just like... I okay. recently saw Coffee and Cigarettes. And I just remembered... That was actually one of my favorite segments of that movie. Uh, the Jim Jarmusch anthology movie. Where yeah. she actually plays herself and a cousin. Mm-hmm. She like literally plays a version of... Basically, Kate Blanchett. And a cousin, Shelley. Who's kind of this wayward cousin. Yeah. And they have a whole conversation. It's actually pretty uh, really good. Aviator, as we said. Uh, good German, which I haven't seen. That's a good but, enough little movie. Uh, kind of forgettable. but Oh, she, I forgot Hot Fuzz. She's in that one scene with yeah, the mask on. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Uh, I'm Not There, of course, uh, as the Jude Quinn version of Bob Dylan. We'll be talking about that here in a little bit. But uh, so She has worked with Haynes in the past. Um, yeah. yeah. Benjamin Button, the Fincher movie. That She's pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, Blue Jasmine, you had talked about. She was in that 2010 Robin Hood. I forgot that. The Russell Crowe. Is she Crowe the one. These Are People? Yeah, that is moment. one of the most laughable yeah. moments. I've ever seen the, the trailer Monuments for Men. Yeah. Monuments Men where there's a part where 
they're like in this warehouse area where there's all this art laying around and Matt Damon I, I only saw the trailer I've not seen the whole movie yeah I know our cousin Philip dear friend of the pod he said one of my favorite things about that he's almost like a Wikipedia article yeah becomes movie right. is what that yeah. whole movie is but he uh Matt Damon's walking through and sees all this art on the walls he's like what is all this and she just very like sanctimoniously and very just has a stiff upper lip and her nose in the air says this is people's lives and just walks yeah. and just like okay yeah okay, we get it uh a couple other she's it looks like been in a lot of malik things recently night of cups narrated the voyage of time mm-hmm. documentary and then song to song okay um so i knew she was in song to song also with rooney mara um but i had kind of forgotten that yeah um that's with the clock in the wall that's ain't that a uh Oh, what's his name directed that? Oh, uh, Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Yeah. And Eli Roth yeah, and together. Ocean's 8, we talked about Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. She's been in some of these How to Train Your Dragon movies. Of course, Where'd You Go, Bernadette. That was a good little movie. Uh, Don't Look Up, she's going to be in soon. Um, That's coming out pretty soon. Uh-huh. That uh, Adam McKay movie. Yeah. Um, Nightmare Alley. Um which is coming out soon. We've talked enough about how garbage that's going to be. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Looks like she's going to be in that Pinocchio movie they're making. Oh, Guillermo del Toro is yeah. making. Yeah. Uh, TBA, voice. Yeah. Interesting name for a character. Yeah. Um, Borderlands. based on the video game. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So again, she's done some more mainstreamy stuff in recent years, but doesn't certainly doesn't yeah. take away from her anyway. talent. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So she's really good in this. I have some specific things. I, well, I got to talk about that now. It's interesting that most of the movie is actually really supposed to be about Rumi Mara. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of her movie in a lot of ways. Do you ways. think that the it's her performance is so strong it takes over, or that the movie and the narrative and the script is oriented towards actually being more interested in Carol than it is Rumi Mara's character? So I think it's a little more the latter than the former. Myself. You're saying you think that the movie is a little too focused on Carol as a character? Yeah, one of the reviews. I mean, I know the movie. One of the reviews we her, read, which I thought was very, all the reviews were good. We read, but one said something along the lines of Carol works better as a mysterious yeah. kind of, which is apparently how she was in the book. Supposedly, and the book and the movie is fleshing it out more, yeah. her out more as a character. Um, I would kind of agree with that. Uh, but that's also part of the nature of, you know, relationships if you're in with people is that, that like the more mysterious they are, the more in a weird way you're attracted to them sometimes and then the more you get to know about them, the more they just are not a person. Like, yeah, they're yeah. a person and they're when I say boring, I don't mean they're boring, but like you just realize, oh, they deal with some of the same problems I yeah. do or other versions of them. Yeah, you know? well and I think what and I think what is kind of the point of the movie, she has a lot more at stake. Mm-hmm. than Rooney Mara actually does. Yes. Because she's more of a, she's a suburban man. She has a family, yeah, whereas child. Rooney Mara, it's like... It's the, she's kind of disconnected. Yeah, the worst her. thing that can happen to her is that her boyfriends will be like, like, what happens? Well, I don't want anything to do with you. And she's just like, okay, well, I didn't want anything to do yeah, with you right. either. You know, so she interestingly, I think, acts as almost the, the audience mm-hmm. in a weird way. I actually, and I think that Kate Blanchett is great in the movie. I actually really love Rooney Mara in it a little more. Yeah, but that's also just because I really love Rooney Mara in most things. But Blanchett, yeah, she's a little bit more of the focus. Strangely, it's not that way early on. But also, I think that is like you said that Rooney Mara is kind of 
us in a way that she's viewing her as the person and therefore Object you of kinda desire, get, yeah. it's like we're reading Moby Dick right now. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming over the time of the book, we're both reading it. Over the time yeah. of the book, Ishmael, I've heard, becomes less of a character and it becomes more about Ahab. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like him talking about this is what Ahab is. Well, it's less about him. Well, more uh, than... I, where I'm at in the book, I'm a little bit ahead of you, I think, is that uh, Ahab's kind of been formally introduced and he's a character. And so much of it is, is told from Ishmael's perspective and Ahab is this own object of mystified desire almost yeah. of like who is this mysterious figure right. Ahab and that's yeah. kind of early on what so that's a random presented. thing to compare it to but you know it's like I wonder you know. too and we can talk about this later or now I'm going to do it now the extent to which predator might be a very 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 strong word but that like Carol is a character over Therese who's uh Therese uh, Therese I'm yeah. sorry no because it's weird uh, I, I make fun of her name a lot to Therese, myself. Yeah, because it's, her name is Therese Belvet, and I'm just like for the Belvet or for the Therese Belvet, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but the anyway. extent to which like Carol is jerking Therese around in terms of like, oh, you're a fling I might have, but then if I really got to, I'll just abandon you just to be with my husband again or just to maintain my child. Yeah, because uh, I feel like as the years have passed by over this movie, and I feel like it was partially done this in the moment that most of the conversation about the movie was all about, oh, look at how, you know, Blanchett is this, uh, like, they just had this very pure romance. And I think it's a little more complicated than just saying it's this pure, uncomplicated romance, not just because of um, them both being queer in New York City at this time, but also just, like, the age difference a little bit. Yeah. uh, That she is a little bit more of an authority figure and is kind of... uh, I would question at times even, you know, the possibility that she is maybe using Therese, uh, or Therese, Therese. excuse me, uh, to just, like, be a fling and that she doesn't quite care about her in the same way Therese does about her. But part of that is just in her age difference and the whole maturity level. Yeah, and I think that part of it is that uh, also, though, and somebody, I I, I was interested by this because I never thought about it this way. Somebody in one of those reviews said that it was kind of like, she was making Therese her daughter yes. in a way, too, because she might lose her own daughter because of yeah. the situation itself. Right. Um, which is an interesting wrinkle I've never thought about mm-hmm. about the movie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think you're right that the movie is very much focused on Blanchett um, and that Mara is kind of seen as this, well, even she recognizes that. She don't really have anything to lose, so I'll kind of you know, do whatever I want with that. Yeah. But so Rooney Mara as Therese Belvet, a way that I'm going to remember that it's Therese. Uh, well, I, I, I specifically remember the way Kate Blanchett says yeah. Therese. Right? Yeah. Like Jack. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that strip Better. club on the name Jack. Yeah. Uh, but the way I'm going to remember is department an, store I, and clerk named Therese. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, amateur photographer named Therese. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's all... I mean, she played a version of Dylan. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, should be saying. Hello! Yeah. Um, a way I'm going to remember that, though, and I'm not at all laughing at the situation that this is in reference to, but in Big Little Lies, there were those scenes with Robin oh. Weigert mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Where she's like, did he hurt you, Celeste? Her name was Celeste yeah, in the right. show. And the way she would say that, she's like, did he hurt you, Celeste? 
Like, it's just Again, a really uh, quiet voice. What like, was uh, we, we like Bill Goliath quite yeah. a bit, but like those scenes with Robin Weiger, who we love. Oh yeah, uh, from Deadwood, uh, especially that, that she's probably actually pound for pound the best performance on Deadwood. I'd say it's Trent over, Burton, Ian overall. McShane. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, is in the, those scenes in Big Lies though, like, and they're it's weird because they're so intense about what yeah. the stuff they're talking about, but she's like whispering through so yeah, much of like, it. It's almost like it becomes a parody. Did you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is David Koresh. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyways. Anyway, Rooney enough Mara. things to not laugh about. Yeah. Terrible things. Rooney Mara. Uh, she's one of our best actors as well. She's been um, enough. She's been one who, thankfully, so far it seems as though has escaped the uh, idiotic blockbuster uh, yeah. complex a little more so. Yeah. Uh, of course. First thing I remember seeing her in was Social Network, yeah. uh, and then the very next year, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I think is one of the best performances period of the decade that's way up um, there yeah. I think is really great yeah um Side Effects is a movie that I don't think a whole lot about yeah but I remember her being good in yeah you know the thing I think about a lot with that movie is like you remember there was the whole part of it where she like was faked a suicide attempt yeah where she like rammed the car into the like wall mm-hmm. and like the way that they figured out that she was actually awake. Because I think the whole point is that she's trying to get some money yeah. from the side effects of this medicine or whatever to show, like, oh, she actually was, like, drugged and that's why it happened. But they said, oh, there were... But she pressed on the brakes and there were tire tracks. That's yeah. a random detail I think too much about yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Also, the fact that, spoiler, she kills Channing Tatum in the movie very pathetically, stabs him or something. I don't yeah. remember what happens in that, but anyway. Uh her she's barely in that also uh, she met her future husband but yeah i think they're uh, married now right i think so partners uh partners it says they're engaged okay so not married yet uh Walking phoenix first. and of course she's been in a ghost story and um earlier was earlier in, in ain't them body saints david lowry really great and again um, you know uh she she was memorable to me and both of those movies, but in particular, a ghost story. I think of her performance in as you know, Casey Affleck is her husband, and he dies, and he's literally walking around as a ghost, kind of seeing yeah. her live her own life. There's and, that scene I remember that was a big deal in that movie where she literally sat and ate a whole pie. Oh god! And, I remember when that was a whole conversation yeah, point. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, I remember watching it, and it went on and on. The funniest thing about that was in the background, out of focus, you could see the bottom half of Casey Affleck standing in a white sheet, just yeah. standing there watching her. Yeah. That was the funniest thing about yeah. it was that he was just over there watching her yeah. get a pie, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, There's some other things we might be missing. To uh, see. Of course, she's related to the like Rooney family. Yeah. That's uh, or the Maras. Well, both. Yeah, the Rooney's both. and the Maras. It's confusing. Yeah, that own like. The Steelers, the Steelers and the Giants. The Steelers and the Giants, yeah. Uh, she was in a movie called Trash. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, she had been in that Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I've not seen that. That was just before Social Network. Um, she was also, of course, in Song to Song. Um, that movie, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, that yeah. Gus Van Zandt movie. Yeah. Uh, which I've always laughed. She played Mary Magdalene, I yeah, know, too. which and, also had uh, Walking Phoenix. Did he played Jesus in that. Yeah, uh, some documentary about animal abuse called Dominion. 
And then she's also in Also going to be in Nightmare <laughs> Yeah, because I remember thinking when we saw the trailer yeah. for that, her and Kate Blanchett were in his old Carol reunion, I yeah. guess. Like, Looks like she started off actually on TV, Law & Order, Women's Murders Club, The Cleaner. What a stupid sounding show. Mm-hmm. ER. So she's actually not um, been in as many things, I guess. As, which is strange because uh, she commands such a presence. Yeah. But um, she's selective about things, which yeah. I admire. So yeah. she won't just be in anything. What do you think her performance contributes to this? I think, you know, her character is she's one also of in that like. She's Pan movie, that Joe Wright oh, movie. Oh, is she Tinkerbell or. Uh, Tiger Lily. Tiger Lily. Oh, that was a whole controversy, I remember, the mm, fact that she was yeah. playing her you know, yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, obviously, she adds like this naivete and yeah. this kind of young love aspect to, to Rez. And that, again, like you said, is. Anyways, to stand in for us as an audience to just look at how gorgeous Kate Blanchett is. I, I, you know, what's interesting is that at first it appears that Kate Blanchett is more of the cipher, but over time you start to really mm-hmm. realize no, she's more. She's just so quiet, yeah, and just kind of she's almost like a robot in like a good way. But she feels very human at the same right. time where she's, well, she's just someone feels who's very like um, small, very. Like, uh, She's so vulnerable and scared, I think, yeah. about the feelings that she feels. The fact that she feels feelings for a woman, I think, obviously, at this mm-hmm. time, even now for some people, uh, women, is uh, a scary thought to have, especially in the uh, environment that they come from. Yeah. That she, I think, like you said, the fact that it is told from her point of view, we're mostly looking at Kate Blanchett, but when we look more at her, we realize that she is... Actually, like you said, a little more of the cipher than even Blanchett is. Yeah. So those roles kind of reverse as the movie yeah. goes on, I think. Too. Um, yeah. Sarah Paulson is Abby Gerhard. Um, She's kind of an ex-girlfriend uh, yeah. slash still friends with yeah, uh, Blanchett's character. Yeah, lives with them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I, Sarah Paulson's really good about everything I've seen her in. I guess... The, She's been in a lot of the Ryan Murphy shows yeah. over the years. The earliest thing that I saw her in, I think, was Deadwood. Uh, oh, yeah. She was on... That wasn't the first thing I saw her in, but uh, she was in that in the Notorious Betty Page, which is a movie I've always heard about. Mm-hmm. Mary Hatton... Or Mar- Mary Heron, rather, made that made... Yep. Um, but actually, Gretchen Maul played Betty Page in that, and she played Bunny Yeager. I think it's that. <laughs> okay, another pinup mall. Yeah. Um... But uh, the direct American Psycho. Um, let's see about other movies and things she'd been in. Been a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of TV. Uh, yeah, mostly that. But I've heard of that bug. Oh, that one. What I was thinking of. Uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Yes, I've seen I, that. That's yeah. good. Mud. Um, she was the mother in that. There's that scene where she's like, I "Need to go to Walmart." Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twelve Years a Slave. I still I remember, haven't. I remember seen her. That. In that, I really need yeah. to see that. I feel stupid that I haven't. But uh, this, um, the post, uh, Ocean's Eight. Also, I forgot about that. I forgot her in that. Uh, Bird Box, Glass, The Goldfinch. Now there was a bad movie. Wow. Uh, Abominable. We like the book. And room. Oh yeah, love the book. Yeah, she's in a lot more TV. Actually. People versus OJ Simpson. I remember yeah, she was in, and she uh, played. Uh, oh gosh, that lawyer what was her name. Oh, uh, Marsha Clark. Marsha Clark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of America, yeah. She's been in all horse, the American horror, all the Ryan story Murphy stuff. shows. Yeah. yeah, I love this one, American Horror Story Murder House. <laughs> I think that was the first one. Wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Family Guy. 
Mrs. America. Never heard of that. Impeachment. American Crime Story. Wait, is Mrs. America? Click on that real quick. Yeah, that's that. No, Kate yeah, Blanchett's in that. Yeah, thing. it's about Phyllis Schlafly, the. Uh, oh yeah. Kind of anti-feminist uh, woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also has Rose Byrne, Elizabeth Banks, Uzo Aduba, John Slattery, mm-hmm. Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman. Yeah. And Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, but yeah, she's good and pretty much. I actually haven't seen her now. I think about it in as many things as I thought either because uh, more a lot of TV stuff. But yeah, she's kind of in the movie. She has this really weird role where she's kind of like a live-in, not even maid, but like help raising the daughter a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, that like uh, Kyle Chandler's character clearly resents that, yeah. but then allows it. I guess allows yeah. is a strange word, but you know, still allows it yeah. to happen or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Jake Lacey as uh, Richard Simcoe. They gave him the last <laughs> yeah. name and all. Uh, like, he is like the kind of main the boyfriend, boyfriend of Therese. Early on. He's wanting to get married to her and take her to France or something. And yeah. she's like, I don't know about all that. Yeah. He clearly over the movie gets mad and is like, why are you going on this trip with this woman? And like kind of figures out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've really seen him. In I think he was in that else. recent uh, show version of... Uh, oh, The White Lotus he was in. Uh, well... And I'm Dying Up Here. You remember, um, remember when I'm Dying Up Here was a thing? Yeah. That was dumb. Yeah. High Fidelity, that, oh, uh, that yeah. new show version of that. That's what I was thinking With, of. With uh, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, yeah. her name escaped yeah. me. Girls he was on, too. I, know, I just know that was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox show. I knew that was a thing. The Office. 21 episodes. That. Royal Pains. Better with you. Guiding Light. Started on the Guiding Light. Wow. Episode 15,546 wow. he was on. What a uh, memorable... But anyway, yeah. He, he He plays a kind of thankless role in the movie of having to be that, like, angry guy, you know? Yeah. Love the Coopers he was in. I'd be angry if I was in that. That was after this, though. Rampage. One of my favorite movies I never saw. That had that now that trailer had that. Despite all my despite all despite all my rage, I'm despite. Oh, it kept starting over and over, you know. Anyway, yeah, I mean, he's uh, just that kind of. He's he seems like a nice enough guy, actually, and he seems yeah. like he means he's well. He's gonna be in that band of Ricardos as Bob Carroll Jr. But he's just clearly. He's the guy that I think most people would like if they were looking at Therese go, oh, you should be with him, but that's just not who she wants to be with because yeah. she's not straight. So Yep. John Magaro, who's randomly one of the best random actors yeah. around. Like, he's been in a lot of good stuff. He uh, played Seal in the yeah. Many Saints of Newark. Yeah, very he was memorably. in Not Fade Away. I yeah. think he was the lead David of that. Chase, I still yeah. haven't seen that. Yeah. I need to see that. Because you've always told me it has one of the most abrupt endings to any movie. Yeah, I really want. So, I really yeah. want to know what it is. Uh Oh, who's in that Unbroken? You remember that? Barely. I don't remember him in it, but I remember the movie. The Big Short. I uh, remember him in that. Finest Hours. Uh, War Machine. I remember there was a few days where we were like, let's watch War Machine, and then we never did. Yeah, but, I think it was on Netflix, yeah. too. Was wild. Uh, Marshall. Mm-hmm. Was that a movie about Thurgood Marshall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Overlord. I remember when that movie was kind of a thing, too. Yeah. First Cow. I know that was kind of one of the last big things. Yeah, he was, he was good in that. That's the uh, uh, Kelly Rockhart yeah. movie. The birthday cake. What is that? 
Sylvie's Love. Oh, I, that came out recently, you know. Yeah. That movie that looked a lot like uh, melodrama from that time. Yeah. You know, Meyer Lansky movie? Yeah. Looks like it. There's a young Meyer Lansky. Oh, there you Harvey go. Harvey Keitel, Sam Worthington. What? <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. All that has uh, been. And then, yeah, Many Saints in Newark. Yeah, he's, he's really good in anything. I mean, the Many Saints uh, in Newark, we, I think we talked about this, had some moments that were making fun of his hair. Seals yeah. like hair piece. He's like, that's real yeah. stupid looking. Yeah, uh, he, I think in this movie, he's kind of just like another guy that's interested in her. He's somebody who's a little more sensitive to her. Yeah. And like, yeah. he is interested in her, but kind of realizes that she's different. Yeah. And is kind of, encur- at least the way I remember, kind of encouraging her to be her own person a little more so yeah. than the other guy was. Uh, Corey Michael Smith is Tommy Tucker. He's the guy that's like the, uh, what a name, by the way, Tommy Tucker. Tommy Tucker. Uh, he's the guy that's like the private investigator yeah. working for Kyle Chandler in the movie. He like follows him around. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, the Riddler on Gotham, supposedly. Oh, okay. Good Looks kind of like he would be, I guess. Yeah. He hasn't really been anything. First man he was in. I thought I had seen him something else. Oh, and then he was also in Wonderstruck. That's what I was thinking of. Mm. The other Todd Haynes movie, he's in that. Yeah. Uh, through parts of it. Okay. Uh, first man, I see it. He does. Is it him that has the very memorable Foley sound? Yes. Uh, in this we'll, movie, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about. We're that, not going to yeah. talk about till we get there. Uh, I'm just going to mention two more people: Carrie Brownstein, who of course is a kind of comedian, actress, and mostly known really for being in Slater King. Yeah, that's but, what most people know her from. Yeah. She was on. She was also kind of the co-creator of Portlandia yeah. with Fred Armisen, which. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I'd like to watch more of it. Uh, I don't totally remember exactly who she is in this. I remember she just her plays in this. It, she's but... barely in it towards the end as a woman who I think knows or can tell that Therese is a, a lesbian mm-hmm. and is interested in pursuing a relationship with her. Very brief, yeah. not much of anything. You know, not so and then Kyle Chandler is Harge aired on a name. Harge. Kyle Chandler... Uh, I feel like to call him an underrated actor at this point is kind of a... It's like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. If everybody says it, it's not exactly true anymore. He just is a good actor. Yeah, I think it's safe to say he's one of our most reliable. Yes, like, I mean... Anything he's in, it's like a To go back to that lame, annoying meme, but it's true in this case. He just always understands the assignment. Yeah. Um, I know... I've still never seen Friday Night Lights. I know he was the lead of that, and that's what a lot of people know him from and love him from. I think he's uh, from Texas, too, or he lives there... And it just fits him a lot to be in that type of movie. Yeah. He's from Buffalo, New York, but I think he lives in Texas. Uh, but now. the way he looks, I've said this for forever, it's a shame that we cannot get some project together where him and Tom Cruise play brothers. Yeah. Because I think they look visually a lot alike. And frankly, I'd like to see Tom Cruise do more of a dramatic kind yeah. of a movie anyways. And Kyle Chandler is an excellent actor too. So why can't we make that happen? Let's do yeah. that at some I point. Yeah, I think the first thing, I'll run quickly through some of his movies here. I think the first thing I ever saw him in was King Kong. Yeah, that would have been Which mine. is one of the, I, when I think about that movie, one of the first things I remember is him in that stupid mustache. Or like he's standing he's like, in the mirror, yeah. like trying the mustache on, looking right. at himself. Yeah, like, it's yeah. really dumb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then Day the Earth Stood Still, that remake. Super 8, I don't remember him in he's that. He's the dad, but, uh, yeah. yeah, main dad. Argo. Don't remember anything about that movie. Zero Dark Thirty, I do remember him in that. Yeah. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, he's got a memorable. Yeah. Got a very I mean, F D F F Jordan <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, Manchester by the Sea. He's the dead dad in that. Yeah. Casey Affleck's brother. Casey Affleck. Yeah. Game Night. I don't remember him in that. 
I barely do. I don't remember where yeah, exactly. I don't either. First Man, of course, I don't remember that. I know he's been in, yeah, those Godzilla movies as of late. Yeah. Um, then he's in that new show that just came out, Mayor of Kingstown, which is so confusing to me because it's Mayor like, of East Town. Mayor of East Town, Mayor of Kingstown. Yeah, because like, Mayor of East Town is M A R E. Right, like a horse. And then yeah. this is like a mayor of a city, M A Y O R. Then I know he was on that show Bloodline. Yeah. I think our mom watched and she kind of liked that. I kind of always wanted to watch that. But yeah, I, I heard didn't. good things about it. Um, I always remember him, though, a lot. He has like literally a scene in The Spectacular Now. The Miles yeah, yeah, Taylor, he's the dad. Uh, he's that, like the deadbeat dad. The deadbeat yeah. dad. He visits him for a scene. I think they're in like a diner or something. He's clearly like a drunk. Yeah, and he's not looking and around. I just always time, remember yeah. how good he was in yeah. that scene. Yeah. And was just like, that was the first time I really saw him. I was like, oh, wow, this guy's a pretty yeah. good actor. And he, can, I mean, literally, this is in a scene and moves on from He actually kind of looks like Miles Taylor, too. It's kind of yeah. funny to cast him as his dad. But yeah. One he's, the, so he plays Harge. Yeah. Yes. What do you want to so say about Harge? I think that, well, real quickly, I want to say another yeah. thing about him in a movie. He's in the kingdom for like oh, yeah. two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, so at the very beginning of the movie, now I knew who Kyle Chandler sort of was by the time I saw that movie. This would have been early in his career. He wouldn't have been in a whole lot. He would have been in King Kong before then. But And he had been on Friday Night So actually he was more known for Friday Night Lights at that time. Because the it's basically he comes in as an FBI agent. It's stupid because in the movie, the whole plan, I think the terrorist plan was to blow up, cause an explosion that would then draw the FBI in yeah. to then blow them up. Yeah. It's just really dumb. Yeah. So he comes in there and he's in the movie for like two minutes, literally. It's like two or three minutes. And he's like looking around. It's like, oh, Kyle Chandler's here. It's like I can see they're trading in on the fact that he had been. Also, Peter Berg directed that, who had directed mm, yep, the original. Yep, right. uh, Friday Night Lights movie and right. So it's all connected to that. Yeah. Where it's trading on his idea of, oh, he's the coach from Friday Night Lights. He's going to get to the bottom of it. And then they blow him up. Yeah. And he dies. And I remember seeing that movie the few times I've seen it in Model United Nations class that I was always like, why would they kill off Kyle Chandler right. in this movie? Yeah. And, I, and, I was, and I was like, I'm done. I'm pissed yeah. off. I'm, I'm done with this movie. Yeah. Like, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Him in this movie, I think he plays... So perfectly, the most faux, uh, superior, pathetic man I've ever I mean, seen. Well, in it, to me, like, is a distillation you know, of that scene in Mad Men where Roger Sterling is talking to um, uh, Peggy, yeah, and he says, "I order you to bring him in." Yeah, and then he's like, "Come on, please, though." Like, it's yeah, just like right. he yeah. he asserts this authority that is not at all reciprocated, and you realize. That he, okay, so he is withholding Carol from living the life that she wants yes. to lead. That's That much is certain. But it's out of a genuine sadness on his yeah. part. Yeah. It is this genuine, like, I love this woman and I wish she loved me back. Yeah. And she has decided to live this alternative lifestyle that I don't understand at all. Um, and if I have to take her to court, so be it. But it's really just because I want to be with her and I love yeah. her. And so... By virtue of the story, it's he is like the, the quote yeah. villain, but like it's a very yeah, it's not tragic clean. story. Yeah, it's not I mean, a clean so, I mean, he's, break. Yeah. I mean, um, we should be more sad, obviously, yes, for yeah. uh, Therese and Carol, especially this time period of being as hated and uh, loathed as that lifestyle yeah. was. But you still can't help but also yeah. feel for him in the midst of all this. No, too. it's not. It's not 
it's it's very complicated, and that's what I think so great about this movie. It's kind of like a an alternative version of uh, Dennis Quaid in Far From Heaven, not who is the gay it, yeah. husband, yeah, who is like mad that this his wife is having anything to do with a black man because he's racist, but well, also, he's also gay. he's gay, yeah, and so it's like it's kind of like an opposite sort of where like. He's mad at his wife for being gay, but then at the same oh, time, for, oh, yeah, right. That, but in this, I'm saying, yeah, but right, at the right. same time, he feels helpless right. about like, oh, but I am in love with this woman, and I'm frustrated mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. So it is now that character in uh, uh, that movie is far more contemptible in his own way than. Well, that's, uh, that's why I get this quite Well, point. right, which is strange for Todd Haynes to paint somebody in that light and make them also queer. Queer, yeah. But that's a very con- that's a very interesting movie. It's very, yeah. uh, but I can talk about that in a minute. But anyway, yeah, the, it, it's kind of it, it, he's a he's I think one of the most interesting characters in the movie, uh, because he is Kyle Chandler, but then also because of the actual role yeah, he has to play. We're gonna laugh about but, it, but that shot later, uh, shot when she closes the door and he's still and you looking see him in through the glass, and then like, she turns the lights off and he's standing there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's literally the image that represents him in the movies. He's always he's trying shut out. to get in, yeah. but he's yeah. He is, I think, a tragic character in his own way, which is interesting for that type of role in the movie, which in any other movie would be... And even that you would think Todd Haynes would paint him as just, oh, no, he... But no, he... Well, no, that Haynes, is Haynes, what is so fascinating well, about Haynes, and maybe we can transition well, to talking about him now, yeah. is that he would rather he do that... Take, he never than, makes the easy option, no, and that's why yeah. he's such a compelling filmmaker, is that um, he is the kind of godfather in many ways of kind of the modern queer cinema. Really, ever since he what the Van Zandt. yeah, yeah, it's really since the mid '80s onward, him and Van Zandt have been kind of the big standard bearers of that. I would say, you know, Van Zandt probably made some earlier headlines than him with something like My Private Idaho. Yeah, but overall, the course of his body of work of Haynes's is. Uh, uh, there's still yeah. some I'm making a movie uh, like Elephant movies or, I need to see, but yeah. on the whole, Goodwill it hunting. seems as though Haynes's yeah. movie have stood the test of time a little yeah. more. So, uh, what about you for Todd Haynes's? I know he's one of your very favorite yeah. directors. Why? Well, it's hard to say because I kind of just love everything about him. I think what I love about him so much is the unpredictability of him of himself. Is that he makes a lot of movies that are about the same things, but none of them are really that similar yeah. when you actually think about them. Um, obviously, Velvet Goldmine and I'm Not There are kind of in Superstar are all kind of about music similar. Yeah. But then you have Far From Heaven and this are kind of similar. Yeah. But then you have something like Safe, which is in its own way like a a woman's film and kind of a melodrama of that type, but it's still very different. And then you have something like Wonderstruck, which is like totally on its own, a kid's movie. And Dark no, Waters right. is its own thing. Um, I'm forgetting a movie in there somewhere. Uh, hmm. No, maybe that's it. I'm trying to think of all his bigger stuff. Oh, and then Poison. Yeah. Um, Poison, I think, it's not even like one of my big favorites of his, but that movie I just continually think about as being one of the most shocking interesting movies i mean that was kind of his breakthrough on the independent you know realm yeah uh just the idea that you're gonna take you know split a movie up into kind of three parts and put them all together it's kind of like doing pulp fiction in a way but but about totally different things yeah and to kind of take that whole first part of that movie is sort of like superstar what's filmed in the same way about like being 
you know, very kind of like tabloid journalism type, like, oh, this boy that jumped out a window and flew away. And like, you know, then you have my favorite section of the movie, which is like taking, basically it's an AIDS allegory about like a a sex drive uh, that this guy makes and making it into like a 50s B monster movie. And just that's just so, such a shrewd, I think one of the most interesting things of his whole career to take that and do that with it. Then the last one is a little bit more of a general kind of just queer. uh, And obviously again, all uh, he's, he's obviously uh, gay and that all his films have queer reading. Some are more obvious than others. Like it didn't really take me till, you know, uh, halfway through, uh, safe, which I think is one of his strongest films, for me to realize that that whole movie is about you know Julianne Moore mm-hmm. contracting this incredibly rare is it a skin disease or like what is it exactly uh, it like? Is, it is uh, oh I forgot some what kind it's of called. it's like a hypersensitivity to allergies yeah um, right and it's like she can't be around most things it's like a chemical sensitivity yeah uh, that is actually well it's weird. I think in recent years that that was kind of a thing then, but I think in recent years it's been more and more seen as like a poss- a definite possibility that such a thing exists. But it's kind of argued uh, in the medical community. I know about it, whether some or of not. it might be psychosomatic and psychological yeah. brought on by some of that stuff. Yeah, um, but that that is kind of a big AIDS allegory. Mm-hmm. And it's never heavy handed. No. It's never over mm-hmm. the top. But to know when it takes place, of course, in yeah. the '80s, and it was made in the '90s. Um, that's just a very subtle, powerful movie, and again, that's you know, I, I just there's certain moments of his career I think a lot about. I mean, one that really jumps out to me that I've thought about ever since I saw it, and it's very simple. But scene in Velvet Goldmine where Christian Bale's character is kind of sitting with his parents and watching on TV uh, like this glam rock act, and he just jumps up and shouts, "That's me!" Yeah. And then it immediately cuts back to you realizing him just imagining having done that and this yeah. sense of disconnection and loneliness he feels as he watches this and his parents are kind of repulsed and confused yeah. by what they see. Very tragic moment to me. And one and again, that whole movie is a movie within a movie within a movie almost, like yeah. in terms of the layers of it. And one thing that I think sets Haynes apart is while he is very much this kind of queer artist queer cinema he does have this certain distance and remove from, like, if you think about Christian Bale in that movie, how it's kind of after, uh, was it the, the kind of the main glam rock guy? He died in the movie or in the narrative or he went missing? What no, was well, it? Or it was just, that, it was what just, happened was is he tried to fake his death. Right. And that that was seen as, you know, obviously terrible. And then he kind of disappeared. That's what it But was. he actually became this really big pop star in the 80s. Right. Uh, that nobody knew that's actually who he right. was. Right. And it's a very kind of vanilla Reagan era yeah. pop star. Kind of like what Bowie sort of was in the 80s. But I think, and I don't think that he's necessarily, because that movie is kind of vague about it. Tries, it's about Bowie, but it's not about Bowie. At the same time, it's kind of about other things, yeah. too. But, but that, anyways, yeah. the, you know, Christian Bale's character, he's almost like the uh, reporter at the beginning of Citizen Kane. He's yeah. trying to go around and put all the pieces together about this. And it, he, the Bale of those scenes is one that's older, that's a little wiser, that's not as caught up in the ephemera as he was when you see the Bale of earlier years. Yeah. 
because and I feel yeah, like the, that yeah. that distance and that remove is indicative of how Haynes tries to depict queerness in his movies as someone who's coming after and as someone who is a lot of his stuff is period yeah of how he's looking back on past eras of queerness yeah, right. in some ways yeah and what's you know what's interesting about Velvet Goldmine is that they're like oh well you you were into all that that whole thing plus yeah. he's British so yeah. they're like and he's in America and he's kind of like. It's interesting because then he reflects on what did that really right. mean to me, and you know, and it, it's uh, that's a really good movie. It, yeah. It's very complex and what it. And actually I feel like is Christian about, Bale's performance kind of falls through the cracks of that. But a lot of other things yeah. people talk about, but him in that is one I think a lot about. Yeah, you know. Um, and then the fact that that movie has this whole other subplot about aliens. Yeah, <laughs> that like yeah. brought a ring that was Oscar Wilde's ring, and yeah. Oscar Wilde was an alien. Yeah. And that that inspired glam rock. Yeah. And it's just like, what? Like yeah. and that's what I love about Haynes is like he can just do that randomly in a movie. Like the fact that just the whole idea in I'm not there that you have that whole movie. But then also it's like, oh yeah, and then Richard Gere represents the like Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid character. Mm-hmm. And, every, and it's like was that really a big part of the whole Bowie oh. phenomenon? Because I don't and you know, and then you and then it's its own thing and yeah, it, it's we were talking. Weird. We mentioned I'm not there a little bit last week in yeah. reference to Jackie and how certain historical figures are depicted yeah. in fiction and whatnot, and about like sometimes our frustration that sometimes you don't have more bats at the cracks at the bat with certain historical figures. Yeah, that's his attempt to do Bob Dylan, and I think he succeeds. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a brilliant movie. I think it's one of his best, and it's you know him trying to do all these little snapshots of the various personas of Dylan. Yeah. And for me also, when I look back on knowing who it is and contextualizing it with all these other movies he's made, actually throwing Bob Dylan into the realm of queerness a little bit, which is not so, a, a place I normally think of him as, but of course, Haynes as a gay person yeah, uh, would. Yeah. And so I just find that to be fascinating. That uh, it, it almost makes perfect sense to put Bob Dylan through that sort of a microscope to say, what about all these variations of Dylan? Yeah. Who is the real Dylan? Is, does real Dylan ever exist? Um, and again, as we say, Kate Blanchett very memorably plays one of those Dylan. The most confrontational stage yeah. of Dylan that you see mostly in uh, Don't Look Back. Yeah. Uh, that kind of mm -hmm. version of Dylan in, yeah. in his career. I think that, I guess to kind of wrap up talking about Haynes in general, I guess what I think about when I think of his movies is I guess they're about two things, they're about one thing really. I guess it's like the interplay between humans and I guess oppressive society or just mm -hmm. society in general um, and how, that sounds very vague, mm -hmm. but his movies are about actually a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and I feel like with a movie like, because usually it's this sounds weird to say this because I love his movies and love him as an artist. When I hear his name and think about his movies, I get this kind of weird feeling of like claustrophobia, mm -hmm. like and like this feeling of this like uh uh I'm trying to think it's like synthetic uh oppressiveness yeah like, I know what you mean yeah. and it's like a weird thing I guess from like a movie like Safe yeah you feel that way I feel like that's his most indicative movie about yeah. what his whole vibe is mm -hmm. um but 
which is strange because a movie like this doesn't really fit into that totally. Uh, but at the same time, there's a suspense to this movie, yeah. which is very strange for a melodrama mm-hmm. um, and a woman's movie. Yeah. But that uh, he finds a way to do that, I think, in every movie that he makes. Um, but in the, And then something like Dark Waters, too, being about the environment. Because he's very much, he makes a lot of movies about sort of the environment and what that is. safe even, also, I feel and, like it's kind yeah, of about the environment. Right, and, have, and then even... But then you say that, that was partially also even inspired by White Noise from Don DeLillo's yeah, Safe Lows. Yeah, and, yeah. Yes, and, uh, and also even a movie like Superstar, um, interestingly being about, um, you know, food disorders, being a, and, that, and that sort of, there's a lot of shots in that movie about, of like, supermarket shelves and it just feels very everything's very synthetic and very 80s consumerist just very bland yeah um and even being made with barbie dolls yeah it's such a weird image it's like a it's like it's not real it's like very you know it feels very uh other um and and i know that movie was i think kind of hard to find and banned for a long time by the barbie corporation because uh, and i think by the carpenters too because yeah, state yeah uh they were just like what is it and it used carpenters music in yeah. it and uh that's just a really brilliant movie yeah um i remember but, seeing that for the first time in college and being yeah. like what is this yeah and you know, and, uh, and it feels a lot like his other stuff and it's not necessarily one of my favorites of his stuff because he's gone on to do bigger and better things i feel like poison is very much an extension of that and is Wasn't a little there, better was but, there a segment of poison Maybe I imagine this. Yeah, it's like, like at a the guy beginning. Mad about his son playing with Barbie dolls or something. Am I imagining? No, that? it's at the very beginning of the movie. The opening credits. There's like that boy messing with like women's clothes no, that's or women's jewelry, yeah, and yeah. the parents like are like, "Wait, it's like, and it's like real like in your face, yeah. like, no, yeah, no, that's what it was, yeah. yeah, okay." Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that are similar between those two movies because they're very close together. Um. But yeah, so that's kind. Of, I guess that's kind of what his movies are about, and what they mean to me is that I feel like he's seen as oh, like you said, the queer cinema filmmaker, which he is. <laughs> but he actually makes movies that are about even yeah. more than that, yeah. more even than some other artists that not even just related to queer cinema, but even other, uh, you know, insular subgenres of cinema aren't always as. Uh, instrumental in doing other things yeah. and being interested in other things. Sometimes. And um, again, we we love the movie Mildred Pierce. Never read the book. Um, very interested to see his oh, movie yeah. series take mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Um, and I think that would it would be. It's unfortunate we haven't because I think that would probably fit into this conversation yeah. we're going to have here before uh, we go to the break. Um, the whole idea of the melodrama. You know, melodrama as a subgenre of drama is something that I feel like you age into liking. Uh, yeah. because I know when I first saw some movies like um, Rebel Without a Cause, um, I remember being like, what is this? I don't, the way this looks, the way the actors are acting, like, I, we talk it's about not it, quote but, realistic. Yeah. And then you get older and you realize, well, they're not necessarily going for realism, they're going for this other thing. And obviously so much of his career plays into melodrama. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine, you, you speak of someone who's seen it, Far From Heaven is likely a lot more circian than this it is, is yeah. because the style of this is actually fairly muted. Yes. Is the style of Far From Heaven more 
obligatorily and openly melodramatic in terms of maybe the color a little, and like yes the by style. the color certainly a little bit more yeah um I don't remember though I feel like it, it it yes I think it is a little more melodramatic because some of the Dennis Quaid scenes he's like real over the top and uh she's a lot more emotional um even than in Safe yeah um. But also, that movie is kind of a straight-up re- pseudo-remake of uh, All That Heaven Allows. Uh, Douglas which both yeah. have heaven in the title, yeah. interestingly. But that what's interesting, and I love that movie, and I think it's actually even better mm-hmm. than Far From Heaven. Yeah. But it almost didn't go far enough because it's weird. It's like, in that movie, it's like, I can't believe that you, that she is like a widowed wife in that. Uh, who's the actress in that? Um... In what? Far from heaven? Yeah, no, in, no. In uh, all that heaven allows, I'm gonna look it up here. Yeah, that uh, is the opposite of Rock Hudson. Yeah. Um, uh, Jane, Jane Wyman. Wyman yes, yeah. that uh, she um is just this widowed mother, and it's like, oh, she's kind of want, she's kind of wanting to date this gardener. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they're like, oh my god, in that movie, and yeah. it's like, what's the big deal about that? Yeah. And of course. There's obviously not at all a big deal about an interracial thing, but that makes more sense for that time. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because at that time, it's like that wasn't even thought of. Do you, you, know? do you think Haynes was making a movie with Far From Heaven that was sort of what that should have been Yeah, at interestingly, the time, yes, like but at the reflective? same time, loving that movie. No, yeah, yeah I'm not saying right. he doesn't love, yes, love but, it, but he's like, yeah. I love that kind of thing, but let's actually do yes, what would have been really... Yes, I think that's part of what it is. But was too taboo at that because moment to Because I make. even wonder if that's part of the name being yeah. far from heaven and all that heaven allows it's like well, we're far from that yeah you know uh and that yeah i think that he kind of was like yeah but really though mm-hmm. like you know because like that movie i guess is, too yeah. is that for him and a lot of other aficionados of melodrama it was the most queer art form of its day in hollywood in terms of yeah. the 50s that was the most expressionistic that was the one where you could stretch the bounds of acting a little more than you could in other ones and try out things that are more expressive, more abstract in some strange ways. And so I wonder, again, if he makes a movie like that to try to be what that always wanted to be or was, but what's the next stage of that? I think so, yeah. And I do think in a weird way, this has been compared to a lot of circuit melodramas, but this seems a lot more muted. Yeah. This is almost like a corrective on the corrective of yeah. like let's now make something that is more realistic to what queerness was and felt like. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't some big melodramatic explosion exactly of terms of what it felt like to be then. But the little moments of this movie, this the like the way someone lights a cigarette or the way someone turns their head could be something that speaks volumes to these yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. And that that was the massive melodramatic expression of what the reality would have been. And yeah. what does this take place? 1951? 1952. Yeah. Because a way that I remember realizing what year it was when we were first watching it is that towards getting further on after Christmas time or Christmas tide, as it's called. Yeah. Uh, not in this movie, but just in general. <laughs> um, that it shows, yes, it shows uh, Eisenhower on the TV yeah. being like around the time he had been sworn in or whatever and I was like oh in so this must be early 53 so the movie was in yeah. 52 and 50, so yeah that it's in 50, like late 52 um but yeah so I think that that's uh, let me just say yeah. I've just not yeah. realized we've been mentioning queer cinematic 
icons. We haven't mentioned John Waters at all. Yeah. He should be thrown in there yes. as well. Yeah. And I only remember that because he, he, in his very hilarious, idiosyncratic self, I remember him talking about like that, oh, the 50s was seen as a very oppressive time. And he's like, oh, we loved Eisenhower. He didn't do anything against us. He yeah. just let us be or whatever. Yeah, and just right. like, I, yeah. Well, I remember yeah. that. As, yeah. John um, Waters is, uh, his yeah. cinema, I feel like more so than Van Zant or Haynes, is directly confrontational. I feel like I'm not even yeah. seeing his movies, but I know what they are. He's kind of one of the more. I feel like the only person that presaged him in queer cinema was probably Kenneth Anger. Um, yeah. But uh, as far as making a larger impact, yeah, I think John Waters is one of the first really yeah. big people uh, in that. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel bad we didn't mention him because I've seen some of his movies and I overall like him. But I'm not as into. Him I love as his personality. I love. Oh yeah, he's him hilarious. Talk. He's yeah. a hilarious guy. Yeah. But I really like polyester. Um, I feel like that's a should be brought up along these as being kind of a melodrama, mm-hmm. like melodramatic comedy. Uh, yeah. Which he's always said. I don't make movies about politics. I feel like that movie is very obviously about the political moment of the '80s. Um, yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. But again, um, I think this movie does fit into melodrama of sorts. But this feels like. I feel like if Far From Heaven, which again I'm not. Even I mean, Kyle movie, Chandler's no, acting like a baby the whole time. That so I like, guess, if that know, was its yeah. own corrective, again out of love for yes, melodrama, yeah, yeah. that this was yet another corrective on top of that in terms of maybe the finished form of this mode of storytelling. I don't yeah. know. You maybe know. to wrap it up, talking about melodrama, there was a. Uh, I remember in the uh, the it's somewhere in the essay the criterion essay for bigger than life the nicholas ray movie that he talked about that they talked about there was some treatment that he wrote that was simply i'd have to go look at it exactly and find it but it was simply a man running down the street on fire okay and i feel like that in its own way is a constant reminder of what melodrama kind of is in its own way of like someone Making a big show of themselves, saying I am, I am in trouble. And I need in many help. Ways that's self-destructive. Like, yeah, that is also. I mean, you think about that, like yeah. uh, one of the biggest ones again, Rebel Without a Cause. That's a movie again. You you didn't really care for. No, it but I quite like now. And yeah. I think again, it's something that grows on you. And just speaking as two straight people, I think you're less inclined to naturally yeah. gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. But it is an art form and a mode of storytelling that, if you give yourself over to, has some incredibly exciting possibilities, yeah. and even more so than that, has a lot of very, very important things to say. And again, that's one of those subgenres that I think is important to actually to disconnect yourself from the whole idea that realism is paramount at all times. Yeah. That art should always be about realism. That what if art sometimes is more just about expressing the inner, yeah. your inner mind or your inner heart in a very big, big way. That in its own way tells the realism of the soul. Anyways, So, we're going to take a brief break. You're going to hear the trailer for Carol. Then we're going to dive right into the movie. Dearest, there are no accidents and no explanation I offer will satisfy you. I like that. You seek resolutions because you're young but you will understand this one day how many times have you been in love 
You're always the most beautiful woman in the room. Therese Bellavet. Carol. Tell me you know what you're doing. I never did. And then it changed. She's still my wife. I love her. I can't help you with that. shouldn't be like this. I know. If he can't have me, I can't see my daughter. Everything comes full circle. We gave each other the most breathtaking of gifts. We're back. This movie is well. Let's first talk about you were trying to search oh, Carol. Yeah. So I was trying to look up Carol, and it's like Carol Baskin. I'm like, no, I don't want anything to do you with know, that. There's like, like some new Tiger King thing coming out, and there's a lot of people like, we don't care anymore. It's oh yeah, like, see, it shows how useless the whole thing really like, was. Well, I could have told you that back in the day. But. <laughs> I could have told you that, as Darren yeah. Licata once said. Uh, MPAA rated or the MPA as it's now called, I think. Uh, Jack uh, remember, yeah, Jack Valenti, yeah. Uh, uh, and I am sorry, sir. F off, Jack. <laughs> um, Jack rated R for a scene of sexuality slash nudity and brief language. There you go. So yeah, so we're watching this off the Blu-ray, put out by the Weinstein Company. Whoops! Hit, hit and play in five, four, three, two. I love to hear Todd Haynes' opinions on Harvey Weinstein because he always has this smile on his face, Todd Haynes. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, I think he's a scumbag. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, I don't know. And um, we mentioned he's earlier, a smile on his face. first cow, obviously he's yeah, kind Kelly of Reichart a friend and mentor is, to yeah. Kelly Reichart, yes, so, who yeah. she's, you know, she's not really a queer cinema filmmaker, but has made a lot of really great independent yeah. dramas over the last yeah. 20 plus years. Train rumbling. Yeah, we love Kelly Reichardt as well. I feel like we've talked about her at some point on here, but... Um, did we eh, did we do it all? Well, maybe we didn't. Kristen Stewart. I don't remember if we brought that up. Oh, maybe. Certain yeah. women. I Talking about know. certain women. Yeah. Maybe. That's a great movie. Yep. Yep. A film by Todd Haynes. Carter Burwell score. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. He... Does a lot of Coen Brothers movies. Mm-hmm. It's a weird title card. Yeah. Where um again, just to talk about Haynes a little bit. Where's he from? In the country, uh, Washington State. Oh, so he is from the Pacific Northwest. I think so. Uh, well, he lives there. I know that. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if he's from there. Let me look. I think he's actually from L.A. Oh, I think it uh, is because I think you mentioned that in the safe stuff. That yeah. He, was, he grew yeah, up. Yeah, he's there. from yeah L.A., but he lives in uh, Oregon, I think, which uh, is Rockart country. Uh, let me look it up. Portland. Wouldn't the reviews say that like Cleveland was a stand-in for some of those New York Cincinnati. City stuff? Oh no, Cincinnati it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's Ohio. 
Of course, the opening of this movie, a lot of people have said, is uh, basically uh, homage to uh, Brief Encounter, which is a really yeah. great movie. Yeah. Um, that it starts with two lovers being interrupted by somebody that one of them knows, and then the whole movie goes back and is right. like a flashback. Yeah. And this movie yeah, is only made for $11 million, which is surprising for how good yeah. it looks. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with that is... Blanchett would have probably taken a pay cut to be in this. Mm -hmm. so. And the filmmakers just know what they're doing. Yeah, well, that too. Jack. No Sigmund Freud's in there. Yeah. Uh, I'd forgotten this till we were reading some of the stuff. I was talking about Patricia High, Patricia Highsmith. I'd forgotten she actually wrote Strangers on a Train, which of course yeah. famously Hitchcock and made the uh, talented Mister Ripley, all those Tom Ripley books. Yeah, which I've read that first one, and that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, the Matt Damon Jude Law movie is also pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, the American Friend. I mean, now American Friend is one of our favorite movies, but. That's a slightly askew adaptation, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Aired. Harge aired. I mean, come on. Tell Carol's character being a little older an older uh, you know queer person that she she's probably very accustomed to making quick exits from certain yeah. situations and yeah. uh, doesn't want to raise any sort of suspicions or anything yeah this movie just looks like amazing yeah Six, looks like a million dollars actually 16 million yeah. <laughs> the loaf I love that, like, she touched her shoulder, and it yeah. was, like, such a important thing to her. And then yeah, when he, he touched does, her shoulders like, from behind, it's like, you, you don't even see her face. It's just so removed. Who cares? Like, yeah. you know. I remember when we were watching this movie, we, we'd already known this, but we talked about how we loved how this movie represented that everything doesn't have to be at the center of the frame. The subject doesn't have to be the center of the frame. Everything doesn't have to be seen clearly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and just, like, you know, yeah, a lot of that film school philosophy, but also, I mean, that's partly informed by what quote traditional Hollywood does, yeah. uh, anyways, uh, especially like shooting TV and stuff, is uh, a bunch of bunk. Who cares? Yeah. Like, this movie would actually be a good double feature, I think, with The Master. Yeah. Uh, part because it's 2010's movie made about the early 50s um there are some other thematic similarities i feel like you could find but also they're about different things too yeah there's queer readings about uh you know freddie all uh, to myself yeah, relationship is alone bizarre. yeah this is now kind of her gonna flash back obviously yeah. 
What if I wonder if in a movie when somebody's like entering a flashback, if they're like, I am entering a flashback. Like yeah. mentally, that's what they're saying. I don't know. So like she had a Santa hat on her. Does this mean this is a Christmas movie? By the way, <laughs> that's what's so annoying about is like everything has to be made a Christmas movie because once again people can't just engage with the sincere things. Yeah. But is it a Christmas movie? Though? But really though, you're you're avoiding the question. Are you are you scared? Are you nervous about what the answer is? Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of the gun I got to your head? Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I have an above average amount of fear. Speaking of guns, this movie. And again, that's the thing about her boyfriend. He seems like a nice enough guy, but yeah. ultimately he's just, you know. That hat. She's just greeting from the management. And I love how that job. Management. Yeah, and that they both worked there. I forgot he worked yeah. there too. This is an interesting movie about a department store in the fifties, because that's when we. Re- I mean, department stores have been a thing really since the like you know, Gilded Age, yeah. but, like, that was when they really saw kind of a, like I said, post-war bump and, yeah. like, being a bigger thing. Now they're not that big of a thing at all. No. <laughs> you got places like Sears closing. Yeah. That's just so weird to me that Sears, Yeah. I mean, Sears Tower being such a big deal. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just closed now. And Sears and Roebuck, I mean, that catalog, that was the yeah. thing years ago. I mean, it's how people got stuff for Christmas. Remember back in the day when we were growing up, our grandma used to have the J.C. Penney's and Sears yeah. catalogs, and she'd literally hand it over to us. I tell my students about this all the time. It's like, all right, you can pick what you want, you know. And it just looked like, oh my God, the chest of wonders yeah. of all that was in there yeah. as a kid, you know. Now the internet just puts all that to shame, but it also doesn't feel special either. Obviously, compliments of the management. I can Mamie. I guess that's referring to the president, right? Or what his wife's name is. Mamie Eisenhower, wasn't it? That might have been her name. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, so yeah, there that's you go. About inaugural or early birth. Yeah. So that would have been just around the time they would have been uh, voted been in. Yeah. in 52. I guess Truman ran again, right? Yeah, in and, 52. Yeah. Because I'm in 48. I think he thought been. about running again in 56, but I was like, eh. Yeah. Which he essentially served eight years anyways yeah. by that point. I mean, he because Roosevelt died very yeah. quickly into his fourth term. So he basically served the length of Roosevelt's the term moment. and then was reelected. She bumped into that. That's when it was turned off. 
What an amazing <laughs> shot. You know? This was funny, too, is that she was looking at that uh, on her own earlier. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, train set. Train set, and then all that's the thing she wanted. Yeah. And wets the, the child wets itself, <laughs> the baby doll. That video of that guy that gone viral about IKEA. Oh, that is that saying. Is that talking about th- stupid things that customers say? Yeah. And his response is like, "Do you hear yourself?" <laughs> like, and the music, like, but he's like, "Talk to the manager, please." Have you ever worked anywhere before? They don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> I was, so, I was happy. Then you walked in. <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, put in did the math. I was curious. The age difference between these two characters or or the actors is 16 years. Um, Which is a common thing you hear about not only in like queer fiction, but also in obviously real homosexual relationships. Mm -hmm. Is an older person and sometimes a younger person being together. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's quite common, the age gaps like that a little more so. <laughs> moment and madman's like turkey day's coming up maybe you could stuff her yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah another madman reference to do it's almost like that's a great show yeah and reminiscent of this movie too in terms of the general-esque time period that's yeah. about 10 years after this but The sensation of the season. <laughs> I was wondering what that moment meant that she just sits in the bail and yeah. waits, like, please. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Move over. I forgot, yeah, he's like a projectionist. Yeah. My kid brother. The movie. My joke. brother. 
Look how many bears I got sitting yeah. in front of him. <laughs> I think in the book it said she was a theater set decorator or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's drunk. A little bit of that HUAC for the real heads. The hell are they doing? Meanwhile. Very conveniently left those gloves there, obviously. Yeah. Get her to come out to our house. I've always wondered, you know, in urban environments, because I look at coming home from work and coming home from school in a totally different way about, like, in a rural environment. Yeah. In a, like, you know, urban environment, I feel like that would be so weird. Mm -hmm. Like, you come home and you sit in an apartment. Yeah. And then you go to bed and then you get up and you get up, you know. Going to college was kind of that way, just because there were so many people around. Yeah. But. Love it calls him aired, not hard. Yeah. Oh. Why? How could you not go with hard? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Who dropped the ball on that? He's like, I is. He's like, here's your crap. This is hair's like fifties man, you yeah. know, just the way he looks. But that was a real like mail came out. Here's your yeah. crap. <laughs> like Who are they talking about? His sister? I think. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bet you she's got some stories. Yeah. <laughs> Living maid. Get over it. 
<laughs> Jay thinks that's real suspicious and weird. He's like, whatever. Like, yeah, like, I don't care. Like, I ain't, I'm going to punch you out here in about five minutes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> This lady reminds me of somebody. Looks like a bossy, saucy librarian. Yeah. You know? Bossy and saucy. Rindy is the girl's name. I forgot. Like Rindy Harge. Like yeah. Carol's the only normal name. Well, even Aird is weird. Yeah. And Therese Belovit. Yeah. I don't know. Essentially, once again, she's like at the left of the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is a real left wing movie. <laughs> All these lefties about like. outfits in this movie oh yeah top notch this movie had a lot of Oscar nominations but didn't win any I know yeah well it's because they don't like to do things that needed to be done you know I think Spotlight was this year and that won a lot of stuff even like Steve Jobs yeah, I would assume it would have been better than Spotlight but which I I, did actually like Spotlight but it was very conventional as it turned out I think Steve Jobs is the only, uh, oh Lord, what's his name? Peter Boyle movie I've seen. Not Peter Boyle. Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. I was, I was getting there. I was thinking of Peter Berg. And I was thinking, yeah. Danny, I think that's still the only Danny I've Boyle always really loved this uh, this scene, obviously. We played a clip from it last week in our episode. Mm-hmm. The way the framing is in it is very striking. It's like you're literally looking over the, yeah. the over it like from you're another going, table. Like you're literally poking your head up. So her name is Chick. Chet. And like on this angle too, it's like yeah. you're voyeuristically looking over. Shop, shop clerk owner named Terrence. Not, not uh, owner, but owner. but in spirit. Yeah. I quite like Danny Boyle. What I've seen though. Yeah. I like the train spotting movies. I know I would. I just haven't seen any mm-hmm. of his stuff, but. Looks like Phil Collins. Yeah. More hair. Big bad Harge.
Like, interesting, interesting smell. <laughs> have I told that story on here? I, I feel like I have at some well, point, but yeah, uh, some other that. time I will. Okay. Yeah. Waiting in suspense. If you'd like to hear the story, please email us at <laughs> or just we'll wait about five minutes and or five minutes will pass. Yeah. Whatever comes first. <laughs> <laughs> Probably five minutes. You notice, obviously, it's, the camera's closer than it was earlier. Yeah. Sunday. Easter Sunday! <laughs> Not quite, but... Yeah, no, but... Like, well, you're the one kind of like inviting me out of nowhere to do all this. You yeah. call me the strange one, but whatever. On Easter Sunday of all days. Again, it's like the mystery of like, who is this? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. So far, like taking her away. Stoop. Stoop pigeon. Well, that takes you back. Yeah. That's a quick story. We were on a cruise ship one time. This is it the Bahamas? We were yeah. On that one? yeah. And Nassau. That was yeah. like a, in the mid, no, about late 2000, like 2008. Does that sound about right? Maybe, yeah. Uh, Something like that. Anyway, and we were walking back to our room to go to bed, and there was this really crappy musician singing a song and it was like stool pigeon a cha 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 like and then the, the ship we were on ever. was like pretty old and it was like it was its last voyage soon. yeah i think it was a real crappy boat food wasn't that good like you know there's a story there yeah Laughter chatter nearby. Yeah. She run her down all of a sudden. She's like, I'm Carol now. Yeah. <laughs> I've become the new Carol. And then she goes back and meets Therese and she's like, I'm Carol. I was like, What do you mean? I'm Carol. And she's like, No, you're not. Like, she's like, I've got a wig on. Yeah. Wig <laughs> yeah. on. Like, Very hastily yeah. put on. Like, you can see the yeah. her regular hair too. Like, Harge's mother. Love it's like she had to be seen with him so that yeah. mommy wouldn't think he's a lame little boy, like you know. <laughs> I 
I really like about this movie is it goes between the worlds of New York very interestingly of it's like you know all these people in nice suits and yeah. like you know all the upper and then just people walking around on the street just regular old people yeah. you know Therese obviously is a more middle class mm-hmm. or well like a working class kind of girl Meanwhile, elsewhere. Meanwhile. Well, she probably could, but. Yeah. That scene in Reds when uh, um, Diane Keaton is asked, like, oh, what what, what do you write about? Mm-hmm. He's like, about everything. And then the woman's immediately disinterested and rolls her eyes and looks away. He's like, oh, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Then. You don't have, you know, you don't have political stones. You don't have shtup. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, You're not going to go out with class? No, I'm not going to go out with class. New Reds Blu-ray getting ready to hit out. When there. is that coming, by this, the way? This uh, coming week. Oh, okay. Cool. This Which is... I recently rewatched. Excuse me. This is attractive. That is not. Anyway, yeah. yeah. On HBO Max. Uh, yeah. Still awesome movie. Uh, we'll rewatch again upon getting the Blu-ray. I haven't seen that but the once, so I'll Yeah, it's only my second it. time I'd seen it, so. It's long. Yeah. It's like three and a half. Mm-hmm. Seal, you know, seal Dante himself. Yeah. You know? Did you mind <laughs> after you, you know. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. his life <laughs> is just in the toilet bowl. Like it's interesting that she lives there, but he doesn't really live there. Yeah. Thanks for saying sober and driving me home. Yeah.
somebody i love is like you see this and somebody in the back would be like ooh, like, yeah. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be like this i oh, know goodbye get out Actually, honestly, Kyle Chandler's best scene partner in this movie is always like do- closed door or something. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, like constantly just like, doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Bye, Florence. Like, bye, Felicia. Yeah, and it's like, and she's like, Phew. I love it's the smallest version of it because the other one was like a whole so big, big city, and it's like this is just it's like, like expectations versus reality. Yeah, like. Me versus so the one she told you not to worry about. Up yeah. Years ago, yeah, I was like a Lionel. Didn't work super. No, well, it but... didn't. Call Neil Young, blame him. You know he owns a part of the Lionel Train Company. Does he really? He's real into model trains. Yeah, I could believe that. Yeah. Not can we be myself? Uh, now, if you're gonna die, die like Bobby Bacala. You know, just in the yeah. process of putting together a big train set, like like a little boy king. You know. Yeah. This that door sound. <laughs> so yeah, there are a few foley sounds in this movie that are a little on the I don't know if sloppy is the word, Simcoe, but don't basic. Forget. But that door sound, and then another yeah. sound we'll point out later. That's frankly legendary. It's interesting. He's kind of like you know thinks it's kind of weird. Yeah. Like hmm. All right, and then moves on, and yeah. then it's like. Mm. That was just like sound. Music. Is it saying, sounds. oh, there's music going on somewhere? Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere <laughs> inside the bell of it. Like. <laughs> bell of it. I remember uh, there was a girl I knew briefly in college. She was uh, in our dorm first year, freshman year. Uh,. I was in her dorm room. We were watching the Oscars, I remember, randomly. I happened to look over at the DVD she had on her shelf. I believe she was queer. I'm not totally sure, but... And I was like, oh, you like Carol? And she looked at me and was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I was like, yeah, yeah. And we, like, talked about it for a while. And Yeah. 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 And then she, I think she also had, like, Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love. Look and we are talking about those. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Good taste. I really always wanted to get to know her. I just never really did. Mm-hmm. So... I think she went to NYU or something. I never heard anything more about her. I didn't know. I said I didn't know her that well. There are other people I know that. But she transferred out of Wilmington. I think there, so. Or? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Went to New York. New York. Remember, University. she also had like a uh, random giving all these details about this person, but she had a uh, a little pin on her a backpack that was of like a Twin Peaks thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, you like Twin Peaks?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." It's like, wow. yep. Oh well, those people you never get to know, you know. Yeah. But you wish you would have. You know? mm-hmm. I've got a few of them myself. Xmas trees. I'll have to ask. Oh, they're already uh, canceling Christmas back then, yeah. huh? Yeah. I have to ask one of my friends that knew her if you know what's going on. And they'd be like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why are you asking? Like, it'll be know. either that or, or she now, she's actually now the, uh, you know, 
lead secretary of the house housing and urban development yeah like, like, yeah <laughs> she was in film so i don't know what she yeah. ever did but well they say you can get anything with a film degree i mean why not that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they say about it <laughs> buying Christmas tree oh Christmas, Christmas tree above average amount of singing about us on this podcast yeah <laughs> speaking of Christmas trees uh, the dad in uh, um, A Christmas Carol really is a, a character you know mm-hmm. not a finger <laughs> <laughs> guys uh, uh, Cole Jack the Night Stalker is that who that is yeah oh okay I think we talked about this here a while back, and yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, there's that scene after the not a finger, the immediate shot after that, he's trying to fix it. Yeah, and it like looks like it's gonna work, and, it and then it, it's so funny. Like, and the shot is from outside the window, so it's like kind of away from it. Like, yeah, yeah. it's funny. And then I was like, her taps being played gently. That was me decorating my tree in my classroom the other day. <laughs> other than Mr. Huffman's. That's nah, more pretty. But... Trying to wrap that train set reminds me of a, something we were trying to wrap yesterday. Oh, my God. It's near impossible. Pissed me off. Yeah. I, I was getting tired of doing it. We finally got it. Yeah. But it was a very oddly shaped yeah. package yeah. for our dad for this Christmas. What? <laughs> More interested in humans. Oh, that, yeah, that's what John McGarrow told oh, yeah. me. Well, she looks over. It's like, you remember those scenes in Blade Runner, which I know is a pretty forgettable movie, you know? Um, uh, <laughs> I've just fired. seen it quite a bit. We've already talked about it on yeah. here. I don't give a crap. I mean, really, Scott's been talking crap about everybody recently. I can talk about him all I want to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's that scene where there's a piano and there's like that uh, uh, picture of that unicorn yeah. on it or whatever. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> It's like, oh, there's a unicorn. Like, why? You know? Crap, crap, crap. <laughs> ah, now that's good work. The skulls, the bodies, you've all such glue. I don't know if it's hurt, but I like it. Like it. <laughs> I was in the bath one day when I knew I was destined for greatness. <laughs> I'm just going to start telling people that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Oh. 
Oh, I see. Oh, you got another strumpet you're bringing in. Yeah, a stup, like. Well, he's fixing the sink. <laughs> like in old movies from the 40s and into the 50s, too. How many <laughs> How many times, like, Palm Beach is mentioned yeah. as a destination spot? Like, it must have been booming back then or something. Oh, here we go. Palm Beach story, obviously. I love that's the whole scene. Yep. How do you know my wife? <laughs> yeah, but I love he's fixing the sink. Like, he yeah. really has to do that right then. Yeah. Like. So he shows up like, all right, pack all of our bags. Yeah. We got to go. I'm going to fix the sink real yeah, quick. Like, How do you know my wife? Like, <laughs> Not for him. Yeah. yeah. That's just him. Yeah. You know? You need a hard spin off. That's such a Todd Haynes moment in the scene. Those I gotta fix the sink yeah. <laughs> in the middle of all this. Yeah, like when his the weight, how crappy his tie looked. It was like all disheveled, yeah. and his shirt was all up. Like you know, I have trouble with that one. I, I know nobody wants to hear this. I'm very self conscious about dressing up. I hate it. I hate dressing up. I do it every day too mm-hmm. when I go to work. It's like I feel like if the pant, if my shirt never is tucked in right, ever, and then you pull like, it a little bit and it'll get untucked. Yeah, yeah, like, oh my god, it makes me so mad. Anyway, meanwhile, yeah, really, you're drunk now. Go get behind the wheel with our daughter. Yeah. It's interesting that instead of wanting to listen to it, she turned it up where she wouldn't hear it. That seems yeah. like the opposite of what a normal person would do. Yeah. Which feels more realistic. Yeah. Like. If you don't get in that car, I'm going to break my fender. How pathetic he looks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hellman. <laughs> the man. Oh yeah, he guy? wasn't gonna drive. So yeah. at least okay. Well, well, yeah. See, he he's, he's always a little better than you think he he's, might be. He's firm, but he's fair. You know. <laughs> How do you know my wife? No cigarettes. 
<laughs> yeah. Bananas, cigarettes. That should have been the uh, tagline for yeah. Interesting, like every one of their little meetings they've had have been interrupted, yeah. or it's never yeah. gone ideally. You know. How do you know my wife? Yeah, that should have been the tagline. Just when you think it can't get any worse, you run out of cigarettes. <laughs> Carol, <laughs> Carol. <laughs> Imagine that on the uh, uh, letterbox page, like <laughs> you know, underneath everything. Carol, Let me see it. actually what the tagline for the movie even is. Probably like find yourself or something. Some people change your life forever. Like what? Yeah, again, ours is better. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be easy from you know Teresa's perspective thinking, though this is totally over. If yeah. I'm gonna get in the way of this woman's marriage and family, there's no cl- there's no reason she'd ever want to be with me again. Such a Todd Haynes use of green. Yeah. Likes to use green a lot. Because he's a big fan of Batman Forever, as we know. I don't know. <laughs> there were random aspects of Velvet Goldmine that I found reminiscent of like Batman Forever and even Batman and Robin. Yeah. There's kind of big statuesque, like, mm-hmm. I think, things. Yeah. And... That was another, I guess, person that isn't really part of queer cinema exactly, but uh, Joel Schumacher Schumacher being such a large uh, queer director, you know. Belvet. Back in the days of all these apartment buildings, you know, that had a shared phone in the hallway, it'd been awful having to yeah. deal with all that. Uh, my good friend Ryan, uh, who was that Steelers fan from college I was talking about earlier? So love you, babe. But his review of this movie, I just saw. I couldn't remember. Uh, I was looking at people, friends of mine who had seen this. <laughs> Carol and Therese are the social outcasts when it should really be their significant others for being named Harge and being played by the Jim clone from season nine of The Office, respectively. <laughs> so, yeah. All power to you, Mr. Davies. But, yeah, like, Harge, like, come on. Come on. Come on. Don't bull S me.
Merry Christmas. Yeah. That could be another uh, tagline. I don't know if it's right, but it's legal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wonder what that really means in the relation of that, though, like. If it's not clear already, we uh, are Southern Baptists mm-hmm. who would also define ourselves, I believe, as LGBTQ friendly and allies. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Yeah. And usually those uh, two communities don't really mix, no. but, you know. You know, if you're a kind enough person, yeah. uh, you know. It seems quite natural, but. Yeah. Well, that'd be no, not before March. Maybe the middle of April. We're just going to do that with every every line. Yeah. It wouldn't be advisable under dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, tis the season. Now, yeah. Right? <laughs> it is crazy, you know, that there are certain things like that, just like a morality clause. Like, yeah, what's that? Is this the season mean? of Santa Claus? Yeah. Like, but yeah, that, I mean, you know, that's. 70 years ago, but it feels like even longer than that where such a thing would be enforced in the... Not morality, like... What? (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, (laughs) the law is immoral half the time. Yeah. I mean, people would have to smoke and drink all the time during this, wouldn't they? Yeah. Ooh. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops, we let our cards... Let our cards fail where they may, like... I'm tired of hiding who I am. You know? Hey, watch it, lady. Like, That'd be another one. You have to up. Hey! Like, <laughs> another Mad Men connection. The Mad Men connection. Well, is she going to be in the Blues Brothers with those glasses? <laughs> the next generation. Africa. The prequel. Oh, it's like Africa. Like, yeah. Okay. Like. Yeah, this is random. <laughs> That uh, Victrola dog. Yeah. You ever think about most music? It's just like, uh, uh, like you know, uh, verbatim. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> okay.
Christmas Tide. That guy smoking. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on in his he's life? In a bad way. Yeah, he's in a bad blanking way, yeah. as they would say. What's that in that? Uh, I think you should leave. Sketches. Like, they just like they just didn't matter. Like talking about those people got ran over or whatever and died. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, we were late because I like hit this hobo or whatever. And then the lie gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. And he's like, but they just like, no, don't worry. They just like didn't matter. Like yeah. so bad. Like it's probably unfortunately a good amount of people. Yeah, who, I know. They're watching yeah. that like didn't even laugh. They're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, like, like, it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. Like. I'll tell you this. I'm no Francophile, okay? <laughs> what? Like, what if I did it with my toothbrush? Like, <laughs> tooth fairy sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> David Fairy. I know David. No, Gino. No, Gino. <laughs> it's probably maybe last words. Yeah. Like, like, among his last so many. Anyways. I know David. Strange sort of character. You ever think about at this point in time, in like 1952, fairies out there running around wreaking havoc. Yeah, in like, like being in the mm, army yeah. or the air force or whatever the hell he was in. It's interesting, this is the first scene to just openly discuss what that they are homosexuals yeah. like, you know. It's very interesting too their whole relationship that they're basically exes but they're still friends too yeah. like you know As Norm Macdonald once said don't care don't care for him never did like. <laughs> <laughs> RIP 
talking about oh uh, Oscar Pistorius. Whatever happened to him? Was he in jail? I guess or something. Yeah, probably. It's like, Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius is a South African former professional sprinter and convicted murderer. It's like, okay. Convicted murderer came second, though. You yeah. Know? <laughs> he won gold. Paralympics. Says he's eligible parole in two years, 2023. Mm-hmm. Too bad Norm ain't around to speak on his behalf to help him. Yeah, out. I know. Yeah. He really would help him out, you know. Other than photo box. I remember there was a in the New Yorker fifties anthology book, which is really good. It's got New Yorker articles from the fifties in it. Um there was a whole little article they had published back then about like uh you can um take these new night classes for how to use these fr- uh, freezers of not yeah. how to freeze things is just like very bizarre yeah. that that was a such a new thing back then that people thought yeah. they'd take classes for that. So like the classes are mostly women, but you know. Of course, it's funny that it's like, you go to France with me, no. and it's like in June. Yeah. And it's like, will you go with me right now? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> yeah, so obviously. No hesitation. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like. Yeah. Are you lying? No. Are you a liar? Yes. <laughs> we need a sequel where uh, Carol and Therese meet Freddy Quail crossover yeah. event, you know? I mean, again, the Weinstein Shinamac universe, I mean, it's all there. What do you think? Yeah. That. Mm hmm. Completely. You're in a trance. 
I'm wide awake. No. Good Don't think so. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Terry. Terea's that don't cut it. Terry. The packing. <laughs> Not very particular, like yeah. Trip. Yeah, so now the movie's like we're going on a trip. It's like okay. <laughs> so he's like, somebody can make a trailer out of this and make it look real like ominous. Like they're going somewhere. Yeah. It's like what? <laughs> yeah. Take care of business. That never forget the Godfather modern trailer. Yeah. Not Christmas balls. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Music. I mean, there's no men in the car, so. Right. Like, you got a man in the car? Like, no. It's like, good. <laughs> you know, you now you see, like, uh, you know, famously Woody Guthrie had, like, a. This machine uh, kills fascists. Yeah, yeah. Like, have that off your car. Like, yeah. You run somebody over. Yeah. <laughs> People have that on Do the that. If you ever see, like, a KKK rally or something. Yeah, like, just drive through them. Yeah. Let me see how they like it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Got randomly politically charged all of a sudden. <laughs> Cause I didn't. I want that hat. Well, her hat. Yeah, yeah. just to wear. It looks not... like the like uh, state of Maryland flag almost. Yeah. Like. A fright. Fright. <laughs> Frightmare. This is before the Instagram days. Frightmare of East Town. Had to actually develop the film. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Now it's all ominous at home. Yeah. Why do they keep Harper? I, I feel like that's a subtext of the movie that I don't really understand. It's like, you know? Yeah. Because they bring it up again later. It's like, what's the big deal, Todd? <laughs> do you not like Ike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or do you like Ike? Yeah. It's like, which one is it? Oh, this is the scene. I think maybe, I might be wrong with this. I think it's maybe just scene setting of just this yeah, is the time when this was happening. It just seems like a lot, randomly. Yeah. Insistent, the scene. Yeah. <laughs> the scene that changed America. Yeah. <laughs> it did for me. I mean. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god, what? Jack Valenti would be rolling over in his grave. So, are you going to leave or what? Okay, the moment. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> then the light out. Too, yeah. Though. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just like so pathetic. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's his best scene partner in the movie is Closed yeah. Doors. I mean. I had that as my uh, Twitter profile pic for a while. Is him like looking like... So dumb. This is a section of the movie where some kind of goofy stuff happens that's like, what? Mm -hmm. But, you know. Close the door there. Yeah. Nope. It's a real open door policy around here. On China. Mm. You know. Know what I mean? Not yet. Well, it was before then. Well, back in yeah, back yeah, the in 1800s. the eighteen uh, hundreds. Yeah. Oh whoops. I think I was thinking about daytime in my head, but yeah. Yeah, all the fits in this movie, I mean. They're just built different back then. Safe. So is that a yes or no? Three. 
This is David Torres. <laughs> Canton, Ohio. Canton, Ohio. Yeah, Levi just showed me he found Yeah, I have the pick, yeah. <laughs> Much of a random little hotel like this has yeah. a presidential suite. Just like it's like McKinley once stayed here, like for five minutes. Then yeah. he said it's crap and left. <laughs> this guy, yeah, <laughs> this is creepy. Popped him out of the door. That could be, you know, Ethan Cruz's better half or something. Yeah, <laughs> not even Tom Cruise, like. I mean, what the hell? I literally just said that. Like, I don't even remember that. I cannot believe it. Was that McKinley? I think it was. I think it was. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Holy crap. Like, <laughs> let me still Google this, see if it comes up. We were literally kidding, like, but wow. Yeah, it says here they toast to President McKinley. I don't remember that. I, I'll I be don't honest. I don't know. remember that. So. No. That's weird. Maybe deep, 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 deep down, my brain remembered that. Yeah. I'm open to that idea. I don't know. That was just the most random one I could think of. Yeah. You always got to go to that, you know? Mm hmm. They call that guy that was assassinated, like Leon Chalgosh. That's <laughs> the uh, uh, men who built America. Yeah, uh, they talk about that. The the narration, Leon Chalgosh. <laughs> Chalgosh. He's like an anarchist. He comes from a very good family. It's a pity he's a thief. It's a pity he's the Leon Chalgosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pity he's a friend of Leon Chalgosh, a conspirator. Yeah, he's just such a spook who sat by the door. Yeah, behind, I know. You know That's what's boat. funny about this character, too, is that she uh, actually has some kind of interest in him, but then that plant, that turns out to have been, like, you know, a problem in the long run. These other men she's not really interested in, and then one man she's like, oh, yeah. you know, and then he's evil, it turns out. Like. Tommy Tucker. She's like, who the hell is this? Like, sometimes I have a great one, you know. Yeah, 
Blanchett's like, okay. At this point in the movie, yeah, it feels like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't you love you open up your email and you got like over 30 emails that mean nothing? Oh, well, today they hit you up big time was Black Friday. Oh, crap. that's why there's so many. Okay. Yeah, I, I noticed that this morning when I woke up. You woke, woke up. done, woke up. Sorry, we're talking like we do here at home just normally. Woke up. But yeah, I woke up and I saw so many, and a lot of them were Black Friday, woke this up deal, this that deal. And got yourself inundated with a bunch of Black Friday stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Come Last chance. Criterion sale ends uh, before y'all will hear this pod, so. Yeah. On the 29th. Is there anything I need? Let me hit it up, like. Listen, when you got over, like, when we got as many criterions as we got in the house, you're like, do I, hang on, let me see if there's anything I need. Like, hmm, well, well I could use some now Voyager, but, you know. That's a really good movie. Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. And your boy, Paul Henry. <laughs> good and fresh, good. <laughs> yeah, my boy, Paul Henry. Like, okay. <laughs> This guy's outfit, huh? just yeah, classic bell boy. But when will he be a bell man? But what was he like as a bell man? A ham. Yeah. You know? No. Uh. Oh, take charge, why don't you? Yeah, take a little charge. Hargis aired. No, I'm a liar. Are you a liar? No. Are you are you lying? No. Are you a liar? Yes. I say four of my emails to Chicago, you know, yeah. Chicago post office, Waterloo, Iowa, little Napoleon yeah. there. New Year's Eve broadcast playing indistinctly. 
Because the Christmas tide is over. Yep. R.I.P. So anyhow, it's like they were there at the hotel for like two minutes, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. by 1952, like. I'm a total idiot, like. Old Lang Syne. Mm-hmm. An old favorite. New Year, New Them. We gotta do take the cap off. Oh, the you're here. gonna drink the yeah. bottle. I mean, she's a tall water. Water. I yeah. saw. Gonna <laughs> drink the water through the plastic and drink to that I got drink to that uh... never forget my grag <laughs> Call of Duty yeah, 2 Call of Duty 2 yeah wait a minute they're not married yeah whoa 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 I haven't either. <laughs> Same says uh This is really the only sex scene in the movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a, one of those like classical Hollywood like making out sex scenes, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know? Which I'm not just saying I want more or less, no. but I'm just saying that's. But you see on film Twitter all the time. I think we talk about this all the time. People are like, oh, you need to take sex scenes out of movies that. Uh, you know, don't add to the story or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, it's two people who love each other. That's the story, uh, any story about them. So, I mean, yeah, I don't really think it matters. Yeah. And also, there's actually not that many, even no. in American films anyways. So. Well, it's just like, well, you're watching the wrong movies if you think that's a problem. So. Yeah. No, Eternals recently made some headlines because it had like, some first quote Marvel yeah. sex scene and that, you know that ain't even gonna be that graphic or anything but such a Todd Haynes line flung yeah. out of space yeah. like well it might have been yeah it probably Smith was or that, yeah. what was the woman who wrote it Patricia Highsmith no but uh, oh the, Phyllis Nagy Nagy yeah Phyllis Shafley. Yeah. Uh, that's her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No, that was Sarah Paulson. Passionate breathing. Or no, that was Kate Blanchett. Who knows? No, Blanchett was the one right, who played right, her in that. Right. 
there's that Chantal. Is this their Waterloo? Chantal Ackerman film, uh, J Two Ill L. Yeah, that pretty much has a straight up real sex scene in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay, simulated. Like, yeah, at least that's what it seemed. Who died? What if it's Ted Williams? There's something about Williams. No, Ted Williams used to be a big baseball player. What if it's him or not? No, he didn't die until 02, so I don't know. Ted Williams used to play for the Red Sox, I think. He played, this guy, Ted Williams, played from the Red Sox from 39 to 60. It was like 21 years. Oh, here we go. Our moment. Why is he standing right yeah. like that? Random. Right He's a fan. The <laughs> The moment. Do it. Do it. The moment. <laughs> so we laugh yeah. forever about that gun clicking You know how sound. people make videos out of that whole thing of that, uh, those people going like, ah, when they see that thing on the screen. Yeah, right. We need to make one out of that. Yeah. But, like, I remember being so in, the first time seeing this, so beat for beat in the movie. Yeah. And then I heard that sound, that gun yeah. clicking sound, which I've heard in a billion other things, and it instantly yeah. kind of took me out of the movie, just like, oh, that, like. Yeah. Quite literally is, but. I would keep it, but. Yeah, why not? You never know. Fun and games are going to present themselves. Oh, she threw it away. Oh, she's having to do a big about face now. This is the downtime of the movie. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
not smoking won't get you anywhere. Yeah, either. not a good idea. Plus, those cars were unhealthy to move into. Living back then wasn't a good idea. People did it anyway. <laughs> but yeah. they did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> How selfish of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, none of us can, you know, can uh, say, have any say whenever we're alive. When we're born. Every era is filled with its own existential terrors, though. Yeah. We'll see this by the film's ending too, but this is uh I think another thing Haynes was maybe trying to accomplish with this movie was to make, you know, uh queerness or homosexuality less inherently tragic as yeah. even sometimes he himself depicts it as in terms yeah. of uh that uh I don't know if triumphant's exactly how this movie ends, but it certainly ends on a little more of an optimistic, mm-hmm. hopeful note. But a lot of queer fiction deals with this inherent tragedy that's just yeah. inherent to being uh, you know, a queer person, but again, a trope that even queer artists themselves mm-hmm. fall into, you know. Know how she's her fixer? Yeah. <laughs> <This is> like, <laughs> like, she's just on speed dial the yeah. time, like. She's her Winston Wolf. Well, it's not quite. Well, we'll stop there. I think. <laughs> Off air, we'll ta- we'll come up with some stuff. <laughs> Please email us. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huffman Brother Productions. That'll be about the dirtiest email yeah. you ever get, probably. <laughs> Again, that's Huffman Brothers. It's like what James Elroy once said about blank and blank with Martha Stewart in the joint, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We should have had him on on this pod, you know, and talked through the movie. This sounds like a weird thing to say, but I was pretty young when I, relatively younger when I read this book. I was in high school. I read uh, The Black Dahlia. Yeah. And that actually taught quite a bit in that book about the uh, lesbian lesbian subculture of Los Angeles in the 40s that, uh, um, I can't remember the woman's name uh, that was the Black Dahlia. Um, but anyway, that she was a part of. Um, and that was kind of a... Kind Elizabeth of a, Short. Yes, Elizabeth Short. And that was kind of a 
kind of a surprise to me at the time. I thought, I mean, it sounds stupid, but it's like, oh, I guess that would have been a thing then, too, like to have a... Yeah, right. Not that people were gay, but that there was a subculture around that, you know, and that's obvious. Now, I mean, I've read, like, The City and the Pillars, very obviously about that in the 40s and, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That breakfast. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> He's like, what's going on over there? Like, Excuse me while I load up for my pain medicine. It's been six hours. Had a tooth extraction the other day. Yeah. Spare time. Sorry, these pills. Are yeah, whatever. Be alright. In this very, you know, heartrending little scene. Yeah. They're in this moment. poetic this carol aired yeah again hard i mean hard hardest i mean of don draper's hardest like <laughs> don draper's large chest i have gone into the night Skateboard out of your life. <laughs> she has like on a skateboard yeah. in her like big fur coat, but with like a hat on, yeah. turned sideways, pants on the ground, you know, <laughs> looking like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> Harge. Big bad horge.
So Pitchfork is asking, what is Father John Misty up to? Because that's the question I was wondering right now, you know. <laughs> that's a name I haven't heard about in a while, yeah. I guess. Papa John Misty. <laughs> Carol aired. Selena. No reply at all. I mean, they told us. Yeah. They warned us. De beer. Lawsuit. Yeah, I hate those. No, he's getting her to getting him to help, or she's getting him to help her. Yeah. Well, Richard ain't gonna help out. He's like, did I turn her lesbian? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sealed Dante. I'll just never forget that. I mean. <laughs> I'm going to have to have talk about that thing. <laughs> if you can only see Levi's face. Yeah. Down, see, there he is. old Ike. I guess that's the first inauguration on TV. Yeah, it might have been. What it had to have been. That's when we've been 49. It's the first inauguration on TV, Tom. <laughs> You're going to watch it. <laughs> You're going to watch it. Anyway. <laughs> you can lie and say you won't. We're going to have a watch party at the big. <laughs> The dad is so just like out of the loop yeah. on everything. Like, Empire, their vast empires have disappeared. Like maybe that's the tagline. Yeah. Yeah. 
that woman, Florence. Yeah. Florence. Thinks she can just do whatever Everybody's she wants. Like, I wonder what they think of the whole situation, yeah, you know? Uh, that's a whole movie in itself. Uh, white people. I, I want to see, yeah, and they are <laughs> white too. Uh, I want to see a movie about that at some point. Uh, about like all that Carol Extended Universe. Basically, like well, basically and... a movie like this, but it's about people who were uh, watching something or, happen. Uh, yeah, and it's like all about them. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I guess you're the best I got. Oh, was that his stuff? I guess, you yeah. know. And he was like, no, or her stuff? Yeah, I mean, she was giving, giving back, maybe. That's the one. This is the Carol. Take a good look. This is the Carol. Shoot to kill. Know what I mean? <laughs> what if, like, you take Batman, but then take her and put her as the Joker? And Kate Blanchett. Yeah, that'd be a change. And as this, as Carol aired, though. Okay, not like her Thor Ragnarok character no. or nothing, but okay. Well, I wouldn't know anyway about all that, so. You speak that name. <laughs> Trembling inhale. Not inhale, yeah. inhale. Exhale. XFL. <laughs> that went away again, didn't it? Yeah. It's just like nobody cared about any yeah. of that, you know? He hate me. Yeah. That was the original era. the hell <laughs> there's Therese back in this the big moment yeah. So it was like seeing somebody from afar moment. Yeah. Know? It's like when you're driving by uh, JD's, uh, you know, oh, barbecue. Yeah. And you from see afar. people from church. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, look at that person over there. <laughs> that's like one of the only t- times that's ever happened to me, I think. Yeah. 
Are you driving down Hudson downtown area? Yeah. yeah. I remember I, there was somebody I used to be really good friends with years ago that I didn't know that they were coming to my college all of a sudden. I hadn't seen them in years. And I was standing at the library uh, and just like, happened to see them walk by. They didn't see me, and I was just watching them go, and I was like, what the hell? Like, you yeah, know, right. I hadn't seen that person in forever, you yeah, know? Right. And then I talked to him later. I saw him again, but I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> That's just really weird when you see somebody you know far away somewhere else, yeah. you know? Happened to me in Gatlinburg one time. I remember somebody I know. We were like, all of us were walking down the street, and I just happened to run into him. I was like, oh, how are yeah. you? Like, yeah. What speaks like man clears throat? That guy looks like Todd Haynes, her lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're garbage, but you're hard, but you are hard, yes, but. (laughs) Oh, God. What? Meanwhile, whoever that is in the painting. This is probably the most melodramatic scene in yeah. the movie. He's gonna be like, Carol, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just shape up, bro. Like, <laughs> is that what her lawyer says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I look like Todd Haynes, bro. What are you doing? I've like, been thinking that all yeah, the time. Like, <laughs> I ain't said nothing. <laughs> I thought that earlier when he first came in. 
Guys, guys, pay attention. Come on. Got the rooster. DiMaggio, front cover, front cover. Rooster and DiMaggio. <laughs> What? At like, first, I was thinking this is the divorce, divorce, divorce lawyers looking over yeah. pictures they took. Like, all right, what can we use in court? And yeah. like, these guys stand up against yeah. the wall, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, uh, they like, <laughs> no. I was yeah. really thinking, is that reference for like obscenity trials that other people have been through? Like, we're yeah, gonna use, I don't know. Bella that. Swank. Yeah, <laughs> I remember we used to swank. laugh about that. Swank. <laughs> and it says Hillary Swank on it. She's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like, Big girls don't cry. No reply at all. I mean, we've been told. Reverse version. Like, you know, an old wrestling video game, somebody's going to throw a punch, but you hit the reverse on them. Yeah. Block, you know. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Same deal, but emotionally. Low, indistinct chatter. Mm Mm-hmm. Sigmund Freud over there. Yeah. He's looking at him like, what's going on over there? He hate me. (laughs) (laughs) Carol hate me. What, like, Abby keeps tabs on her? Yeah, like, she's what? the fixer. Like, it's like... She's the fixer and okay, the closer. like... Rindy. Rindy Harge and Carol, normal name, mm-hmm. like, and then Therese Simcor or Simcor. What was the name? Secor Laxity. Yeah, I don't know. Simcoe. Yeah. And what was the guy that was following him again? His name? Oh, Tommy Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, come on. 
The Oak Room. <laughs> Famous New York spot. When that guy shows up. I think that's the only time that's said in the movie. Yeah. Love earlier we saw this scene more from his perspective. Yeah. And from the way this is all shot, what an annoyance he yeah. is. Like, yeah. Just like interrupting this. Strip club owner named Jack. <laughs> the loaf. <laughs> A lot of inhales, exhales. Yeah. XFLs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the Yales taking an L. Yale earlier. Yeah. With the Rebel Yale, she went to New Haven, Connecticut. You know, scribe Mo, 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 Mo. Like Mo, is yeah, in, like uh, wise well. wedding. Oh, might as well. By the way, Carla, if you're listening, white wedding. <laughs> Good friend of mine, but anyway. Get up there. Hey there, sister. Hey there, sister. <laughs> This is the shotgun. Whoops. Is that well, whatever. Yeah. The <laughs> hell with you. The Carrie Brownstein. Yeah. yeah. The hell with you. <laughs>
It's funny how she's like, looks like she's like being cornered. Yeah. Like, is yet another brilliant shot. It's almost like Todd Haynes is great. <laughs> yeah. The song was in the Masters. When? Towards the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> Writing stuff Getting down. Getting his notes down. Yeah, like... It's like April, but it still looks like it's cold. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's New York it's supposed to be. Yeah, it'll be hot soon yeah. after that. It's like next year you're gonna have to come out. Is that the uh, tagline? You think? <laughs> <laughs> He's a blowhard. Somebody said. <laughs> what do you think about this ending by the way uh it is i think semi-abrupt i mean yeah i love the way it's shot though yeah. like a lot the slow motion here in a minute i really like but yeah it's kind of like uh But also, it's representative of okay, like it's more of a happy ending. Like, well, they will have, they will continue on or have some life together, mm -hmm. you know. But, I mean, the fact that you know Carol told her she loved her, which as yeah. you said, is really the first time that's really said in the movie. And then the fact that she seemed like she rejects her, but then still shows up to see her, I think, is enough yeah. for Carol to see that. Sounds like a random thing to say, but I think about this moment a lot. Where there's all these men in the way, yeah. like, you know, and it's yeah. like feels a very like. Thematic and all. Yeah, pretty much all men, except there's one woman there, a few women, but. Well, even the men that were yeah, walking right. in front of it, but. No, the lawyer. Oh, wait, that's another guy. Yeah. It looks like that guy. Mm hmm. But this guy looks less like Todd Haynes yeah. than the other guy did. All these white guys look the same anyways. We say as white men. Yeah. <laughs> Something about her expressions come, hmm, come take a peek. Yeah, like, like, see what's in Interesting store. smell. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to tell that story. Oh well. Too bad. Oh, Send well. us an email. Yeah. What happens next? You'll have to wait for the sequel to see. That will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Carol from 2015. Somehow it gets better every time. Yeah, I, I mean, see it's it. very beautiful, elegant movie. I mean, yeah. um, and again, not to the extent of like a John Waters, but a lot of Haynes' movies have a, a, a certain confrontational edge to them to some extent, yeah. and this is one that doesn't really, I don't think, have one other yeah. than it being about. Yeah, queer people wouldn't that inherently for some yeah. is that, but 
Again, very beautiful, graceful movie. Again, Carter Burwell's score, as we pointed out earlier, is really good. I think adds to the movie. Any new takeaways? No, not really. Just uh, it's really great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I think it is his best movie, probably. Uh, which is not to take away from some of the more subversive, great movies he's made, but um, yeah. Like it is one of those movies if you had of. to recommend one of his movies to anybody, I yeah. think. If yeah. you hadn't seen anything, this would be one you'd definitely go for, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. Male party I mean, guest. Hard, you know. Embarrassed mom. <laughs> Crew. Crew. Set the pieces. Crew. All right, I guess I'll pause. All right, we'll pause on that. Well, we didn't have it screw up this time either. No, time. no. So Sorry yeah. about Jackie once again, but yeah. you know. So next week, we are not doing a new bonus track. Bonus track. Well, no, it will be a bonus yeah. track. Bonus but track. We won't say, but having, we won't be having. Uh, uh, stay tuned for yeah. scenes from our next You'll episode. Have to wait till the end this week. to figure that out. Yeah, but uh, what that'll be. We're gonna do a bonus episode next week. Again, bonus track. Bonus track is back, better than ever. Yeah. I can promise you that. Yeah, I feel like we haven't done it in a while, sort of, because the last bonus that we did was about nine eleven. So we haven't really done a proper. No, I, I guess uh, I, was, I guess yeah. in a while. It was really been since right before the Planet of the Apes movies, I guess then, right? Yeah. It's been a long, wow. long time ago. A uh, long, long time ago. We're not sure exactly what form this is going to take, but we're going to talk about historical filmmaking. Mm-hmm. We've had some historical films recently, um, and really just, I guess, talk about some great versions of historical films, some maybe lesser than versions, and then some not. Um just in general to kind of preview next week uh, what about kind of period pieces and how they're depicted in Hollywood cinema or cinema elsewhere even um what about that as a form just inherently excites you as a well, moviegoer well i guess when i first thought about us doing this we had kind of talked about what we could do for this bonus and we kind of looked at the movies that we were doing and they were all kind of historical or period pieces in this case, but specifically with Jackie and uh, um, JFK, we were thinking about that. People constantly ask me, they probably do this with you too, uh, when that, well, and I'm not even a social studies teacher right now, but when people ask me about, oh, you love history and you love movies, are you going to try to kind of incorporate that into your classes or whatever and kind of talk about what different movies that would be? And people always like to talk about and a question that I have also, which I'll go ahead and answer in mo- in literally momentary seconds here. What do what do movies owe to history? My answer is uh, nothing, mm-hmm. honestly, um, which would be surprising to some people to hear me say that. But movies can do whatever the hell they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of something like JFK, that's a genuine question of wait a minute, what exactly are you? including what are you deciding not to include what information even just about uh the subject jim garrison are you in are you choosing not to include also yeah um you know stuff like that where you kind of question what is this valid though yeah what a lot of people though when they talk about that is like something like the new world where it's like well even that gets some stuff wrong and blah 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 it's like but to me it doesn't matter anymore because it that's this is what it is at yeah. a point so that but that is an honest question i don't uh, it's an honest question yeah i mean i don't well, pretend because, uh, yeah. that it that it doesn't matter but you know we're gonna kind of i guess talk about 
like I said, some versions of good, bad, somewhere in between, and maybe what we think, I guess, because where it I think, begins uh, and ends uh, as far as that. Looking at it from, and I look at these questions more from a cinephile perspective than anything yeah. else, but looking at it from like a historical, historically minded perspective, of course, both of which we're privy to, um, there's a lot of people that, that will only consume history through films, through television, and so there's a like a sector of I know history historically minded people that are like, well, these things have a responsibility to be quote as yeah. accurate or yeah. as uh, transparent as possible because for a great many people this will be all they consume. Well, and it's like what we talked about about popular history, as far as those books that are like this this hard changed America. You know, <laughs> I mean, this one did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he did. I mean, uh, this door that he stared at that moment yeah. changed America. Yeah. I mean. But, yeah, like, so they're right, I think, when, yeah, I mean, a lot of people take this stuff in, but... But is that uh, the responsibility of filmmakers at the same time to... Not if they have another statement that they want to make, you know. Because I think it should always be... I've never believed that it should be the job of a movie to assume that people know nothing, Mm -hmm. you know. It should more be of, oh, well, you, you already know what this is. Yeah. Here you go, like... Because then it's like, okay, well, if you're interested in that, hopefully, therefore, go read a book. you will go on and read it. I mean, and I'm not saying people are stupid if all they want to do is just get that out of a movie. But it's like, well, if they feel the need, though, to, you know, want to talk about those things, they need to go look into it. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the job of you, not the filmmaker. Right. So, yeah. Um, the filmmaker's already done that. So, yeah. you know. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, but I get that, you know, that people, but I think as so long as it isn't anything glaring, yeah, then, uh, do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but we're, it we're, we're going to talk about some specific examples I think are good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Uh, next week. Uh, any last thoughts before we wrap this episode? Yes, up? not. Just, uh, screw the cowboys and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, find a Harge in your own life and give them a hug, you know? Yeah, the, the Harges out there, they do need some loving too. So this is Kyle. This is Levi. Take care. God bless. Bye.